Summer is gone, here comes fall Well, I have to say that didn't feel like a summer at all It's not for lack of trying Or the warmth of a little sunshine No, it's cause it feels like the whole world Lost its goddamn mind Today's guest is making sad songs great again. He released his debut full-length album, Lotto de Loma, in October 2019. Through his captivating timeless tone and brilliant songwriting, he embodies the spirits of Roy Orbison and Eddie Cochran with a touch of Elvis. Give it up for my good friend, Francis Bloom. Not just the kiddies this year Oh, and there's plenty of fear And we could talk about the change in the weather But what about how we can all change for the better And all this shit about wolves and sheep And people being woke and people staying asleep What we buy Music wise, I mean, I know we, I originally met you yep. through your sister. Yep. Um, and then uh, playing the church. Yep. And, and you were doing that for quite a while. You, you, yep. you led worship. Yep. Correct. And then yep. uh, how was navigating kind of through a lot of people mm-hmm. come from the church. We've talked about this oh, yeah. in other conversations. I've talked yeah. about this countless times, but I'm just always intrigued in hearing other people's perspectives, navigating kind of coming out of the church into doing their own, their own music. Yeah. Um, so the church is great. And for a lot of reasons that we've talked about, and I know that you've talked about previously too, um, the church is great in that sense of it does give you a leg up when you're like a kid that grew up doing music in the church Mm -hmm. because you were given essentially you look at it just like from a musical perspective like you have a weekly gig just set in stone for you to get on stage in front of a bunch of people and play yeah and like it's under a different banner or like pretense i guess like when you're doing it in the church but at the same time like physically whatever it is spiritually that is you know whatever but physically you're there playing chords and singing notes (laughs) and having to do that in front of a bunch of people and you're wanting to not suck so what a lot other people that didn't grow up in the church didn't play music in the church they had to like kind of cut their teeth bars mm-hmm. and stuff like that like which is obviously later and yeah or in i mean they're even like i played like my first bar show when i was like 18 yeah. like on those nights where they right. let you in but like you wore a wristband and you yeah. obviously couldn't get any alcohol but or like coffee shops and stuff like that um but also not as consistent not as easy yeah you know when you grow up and you're just like oh and you're going to some you know westernized you know, 
Christian or whatever denomination church and you're like in high school and they're like, oh, you can play three chords and like keep right. a, somewhat of a tune. Like, yeah, we'll throw you up there and you can sing these songs that yeah, all you have to do is play three chords and be able to hold somewhat of a tune and you'll do just fine. But like, yeah, so it really is a great place to kind of get your first, uh, yeah, your first feeling of like being up on stage and being in front of people and not wanting to suck and learning songs and having to adapt on the fly, you know, when you're young and you're like, oh shit, like I'm capoed right now and I already started the song. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be capoed. And then you like look around and everybody's like, oh, oh, and your bass player's like, oh, uh, he's doing algebra. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. And you know, like that, all that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. You get to do that stuff from the comfort of like a church stage yeah. and not like a, a bar where if you sound bad, they're going to like throw their beer at you. Sure. Or laugh and do stuff. You do that from a church and they're just like, oh, well, it was a blessing. You know, <laughs> even though he sucked so bad. So good. <laughs> it's like, but you just get away with it because of, you know, where you are. Um, so yeah, for that, oh, it was great. Um, so because of that, like I've been playing music like in front of people and like hundreds of people at a time since I was like 17. And even as, as early as that though, um, I had my own songs that I would write and play mm. just cause I don't know. I just always wanted to, I didn't really, it's not that I didn't like the songs that, you know, I'd have to play for church. Um, some of them are great and stuff, but I just always was like, oh, I've got something else I want to say. So yeah. um, even as early as, yeah, you know, 16, 17 years old, I was playing my own songs in front of people um, on a stage. So yeah, that's kind of like, it's really hard to get that kind of experience like in another in a different arena, you know, just, uh, yeah. And I did the coffee shop thing too. Played in like, uh, and then some of these North County places, like we were playing with Jumping Turtle was a bar. Oh yeah, Jumping, Jumping Turtle. Turtle. Yeah, did that one. Pretty sure I played uh, John Mayer's Gravity that night. Which is a great song, but like <laughs> back in 2008, it was just the most like predictable cover you could do. Um, what metaphor in uh, Escondido? Oh yeah, right there. And uh, yeah, some of these. Well, no, both of those venues are gone now. Yeah, those don't exist. Yeah, but yeah, so I did that stuff too. Um, but yeah, the church is really where I learned to kind of hone my musical ability and play with a band and be able to, you know, because you're playing, and so like it wasn't like so I was like a like a worship leader. So I was, I chose the songs, like, you know, you go and you talk mm -hmm. to the pastor and sometimes you're playing, you do your first set and you go back and the pastor, you know, gives a sermon or whatever. And then he's like, Hey, uh, you know, I was thinking we could, uh, we could do this song at the end, you know, and you didn't practice that song. Like the band doesn't know <laughs> that your band song. is all like hearing this in the background going, great, yeah, like, cool. So then you just have to be able to be like, okay, like, boom, like, yeah, I kind of know that song or like maybe I can go print out the chord chart really quick and like 
So that kind of stuff is, yeah, musically, to develop your chops, like, I don't know if there's a, a better situation. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure, because it's the safest environment to just, yeah, like, blow it. And it happens a lot. Just learn. Yeah. Because that's the thing. You, like, you're going to bomb all that, like, you're just going to, that's what's going to happen. Like, eventually you're going to bomb or, like, learning, you're going to bomb a bunch. So being able to kind of, like, learn in that area. And granted, at the time, I didn't look at it that way. Like, that wasn't the way I was viewing it then. Now, from this lens, being, like, 30 years old and looking back and being like, oh, yeah, that was great. Like, you know. Um, but, you know, and it was its whole sort of thing because then back then, the people that I looked up to musically, you, you tend to you tend to want to kind of sound like who you look up to musically. Yeah. And not that you're trying to impersonate them, but it just naturally makes its way in. Like if you're playing, you know, uh, I don't know, worship music at that point, you're going to want to, you're playing the songs that are being written currently you whether you like it or not you kind of end up having to sound like those people yeah it's the whole like input output kind of a thing exactly and um and so that was one of those things where you know i kind of ended up not really ever finding my own sound because i was just always playing everybody else's music so that's one way where it's not that great because i could get away with writing but I wasn't allowed to do like a whole, like whatever, five songs before the sermon of just my songs mm -hmm. because there's no way like the pastor would let that happen. Like, oh, nobody knows your songs. You get your song for like when they're taking the tithe offering or whatever and yeah. nobody's really paying attention anyways. It's like, so, um, so that does make it difficult. I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak like say it does. It did make it difficult for me to find what I truly wanted to sound like. I think um, so it wasn't until after I got out of all that and I stopped doing that. Mm. That's when I kind of found, okay, like this is what I've always wanted to sound like. Yeah. And I hadn't yeah. heard any of your original music until you started showing me some of the early demo stuff Yeah, for your record, Lado de Loma. Yep. And, um, and I remember you sent me some stuff. I remember we were at Booze Brothers. Yep. And you told me you were, and I was like, what? Yeah. And you had maybe gone up and played a couple songs yeah. after that. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and then you sent me like a Dropbox of like all these songs that were like partially done. And, and yeah. I was like, yep. what is yeah. happening? Like, yeah. Cause it's, it's not typical that, at least in my experience is that yeah. when people coming out of that, they had, you know, it, through the years had put out a bunch of other stuff and kind of mm -hmm. like put stuff out that was kind of them finding it and finding yeah. it and slow whatever. And you see them come to fruition kind of in front of, yeah. Or I guess in your ears, but yeah. in front of your eyes. And, yeah. uh, but it was interesting that it was like, I don't really remember seeing anything. And all of a sudden then there's just this thing that's like, which by the way, like not to like fluff you or anything, but yeah. that is one of my favorite records. I listen to it Tight. regularly, <laughs> not just because I've play it with you, you or any of those things. <laughs> it start like I mean, well, what's funny is that I remember you showed me that stuff. Yeah. And it was like the second song in. 
And I know that you had told me that you already had someone who's playing drums with you. Yeah. And I was like, how do I, how do I get that spot? <laughs> get in there. Yeah. Maddie, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but it was one of those where I just loved that record so much and it was yeah. just, um, and it was, yeah, it was super cool to kind of watch that unfold. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I guess it would have been like a long, like a far cry from what we had played together, whatever, eight years, nine years previous. Right. When we had played at church together. Yeah. 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 I didn't really, <clears throat> some of the songs on the record I had written, like, I mean, some of the songs on that record are 12 years old, like from 2008, hmm. 2008, nine, 10. They literally span like a decade of just songs that I had had or that I, that I had been writing um, and really didn't, I just didn't have anywhere to, yeah, I didn't have anywhere to play them and not like, uh, I just, I wasn't going out to go play them. It was by choice. I yeah. didn't have anywhere to play them. So, you know, I was writing and a lot of those I wrote when I was still doing music, like in the church and none of those are going to fly on a Sunday morning. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And I, uh, so it was kind of. So what happened was then in 2000, in 2015, I moved to the UK. Uh, my wife and I moved to the UK and I took a job doing like some youth work over in the UK, which basically I, I worked at a skate park and managed a skate park over there um, down in like on the border of Devon and Cornwall. And uh, so I went over there and it was, it's great. Like, I mean, I think one of the best ways to kind of change your worldview and to help you grow as just a human being is just leaving. And I didn't know this until I, until it happened, but it's just leaving where you're from and going and being part of another culture and kind of like immersing yourself in that culture. And like, cause I didn't move to like London mm -hmm. where there's just all these cultures all over the place. Like, no, I moved to like down in like down in the southwest, like where like London, they'd say like it's the equivalent of like they would look at the people that live down there as like what we look at like Hicks, like out in the sticks somewhere. Okay. Like like there is just it's just all locals down there. Or if it's not like locals as in like Cornish or like Devonshire people, it's some British person. But they're I my wife and I were like two of three or four Americans in our like entire little like area, like the village and the mm. town and everything, like there were not many. So you're really like immersed in a different culture. Mm. And um, so, you know, I was over there and that kind of challenged a lot of like my worldview and ways that I looked at and I was doing youth work and it was, and I was doing work for the church as well over there. Um, but it made me look at, at things a lot differently. So when we came back, I just kind of like, it's kind of like you come back and you're kind of shocked because you see everything that you grew up in from a totally different lens and like everything. So I looked at like the way that I grew up in like understanding church and things like that from like a totally different lens. So at that point when we came back, like we just stopped going to church because we didn't just totally, like we love where we grew up and like our upbringing in church and everything, but we just couldn't vibe with you know yeah just couldn't couldn't exist in it anymore 
It's almost like you peek behind the curtain. Yeah. That kind of thing. Absolutely. So we just couldn't vibe with it anymore. So we just, you know, we stopped going. So then at that point, so we came back in like late 2016 and I stopped going to church, which meant I stopped playing music because that was like the only place I was playing music. So then I was kind of just left with like, okay, well, who am I like as a musician? Was I just like a guy that would like do music in the church or do I really enjoy music and my guitar sat under my bed for quite a while. I kind of like pick it up and play it and stuff like that. Um, Cause right around that time, my son was born as well. So then I kind of play music to him and stuff like that and just different things, but, um, and just thumb around. Uh, and I wrote a little bit, um, but I really, that was a moment where I kind of had to figure out like, Oh, like, what am I, what am I doing? And I, it wasn't on my mind all the time. My mind was basically on like, how do I provide for my wife and child now? Like kind of thing. But, uh, I was still, I was writing songs. So like, uh, like gone for good, which is a song that's on the record. And it's just, you know, typically, yeah, it's a sad song. Like no, no wonder. Like, you know, probably one of my favorite songs on the record. Francis Bloom just plays sad music and it's a <laughs> sad song. But that song was just like, it came back. Like I, I, you know, I'd been back from the UK at that point for like six months or something. I was just bummed and just trying to find like a good steady job and just trying to get back like on track, trying to get back in a groove, you know, which is kind of hard when you leave where you've lived for the past 25 years. And we were only gone for over like a little over a year coming back. It's just like, man, you like, how do I get back in the groove of things kind of. And that song just kind of came out and it was just almost like a, like a freestyle. I just like had some chords and like a hit voice memo and hit record and then just sang everything that kind of came and then it was essentially the song like i went mm. back and tweaked a couple things in like the bridge but essentially it was just like that's it like if i shoot if i showed you like the actual voice memo and then the finished song you're like oh yeah that's pretty much the same but so i was still writing but then again i still didn't i'm like what am i doing with this i don't know where this is going like i don't have anything like you know country boy like that was something that was written while i started it while i was over in the uk but i didn't have any like drive to finish it because mm. i'm like oh where do i play these songs like they don't exist in the church and i'm not playing anywhere else so what do i do with all this stuff and it wasn't until brad brad shaw was like actually i think it was scotty scotty shoots a lot of my photos you know scotty scotty Sanford. i know who he is yeah so yeah he I, was yeah, like, duh. yeah yeah and he's like hey um like you should hit up Brad and like, go, you know, record. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, I feel weird. Like being like, Hey, can I come record? Like, uh, and he's like, just do it. So I texted Brad. I was like, Hey, can I come record? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, come on over. And like, yeah, we'll do something. So I went over there and then just started recording those demos. And it was like one night. That's all it took. Mm. So I went from all of that big, long, drawn-out backstory of, oh, yeah, move over to the UK. All that was just like this journey of just like, I don't know where I exist musically. Is it in the church? If it's not, what are all these other songs for? Um, you know, all this stuff. And then it took just one night of going over to Brad Shaw's house in Carlsbad and hammering out like four or five just acoustic vocal demos and him going like, you know, I think we could do an EP. And I was like, okay, like, you know, yeah, that, that sounds cool. And I kind of was like, 
kind of feeling it and was like, man, this is cool. Like this feels good to be recording again. I hadn't recorded in who knows how long, um, before that point. And, uh, yeah, I kind of, and then it was just like, I drove home that night and I was listening to it cause he like bounced him into a Dropbox folder. And I was like listening as I went home and I was like, man, like, yeah, I think, I think there might be something here. Like, I think I've found a place for these songs to exist. Like all these songs that I've been writing for all these years and having nowhere to play them or mm. nothing to do with them. Uh, and so, yeah, it was like that one night and then it was kind of just like it turned on in my brain. And then I was like, oh my God, like I could do music. Like I could really do music though. Not just like, you know, playing a church or something like that. Like, right. you know, cause I was done with that. At that point I was like two years removed done with that. I was like, I'm not doing that ever again. So I just realized like, oh, like maybe there is a reason I've been writing all these songs through mm. these years. Um, and it just kind of, it kind of, you know, it snowballed and one thing led to another and it was just support from people. But I mean, yeah, mainly it was, it was Brad being like, Hey, you can record these songs and then being like, Hey, these are good. Like these songs don't suck. <laughs> and that's all. Cause I didn't really show people those tunes that I was writing. Like other than like, I think I showed Jonathan Hall a couple, um, like over the years and even Jonathan, you know, he's like, oh, Hey, I really like that song. And I was like, cool. Like, you know, um, but like, I just, it was never enough to get me like, to really take it a step further, I think mentally, but I just, I wasn't in that space mentally until I kind of was back and I'd gone and lived somewhere else and come back and I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And I kind of had to get to this weird mental space where I was like, and it helped me find. And then, yeah, after that, I just kind of turned it on full blast and it was like, okay, what am I going to do? What, how am I going to do this project? What am I going to call it? And then Francis and then you know, the guy on the iceberg and then bloom. And then, <laughs> and then I was, yeah, next thing. And then I'm playing little shows here and there. And then, yeah. Yeah. Really just a weird. So, uh, so going into that record and the process that you recorded it, yeah. like, I know you, you talked about having previous things that you hadn't really, that you didn't do shows for stuff like yeah. that had like, had you previously had that in depth of like a recording experience or was that no um, so this was going to be kind of the first like yeah, it was basically the, yeah. it was 100% the first time that I'd really so the only time before that that I had really ever recorded songs like a full complete song where they weren't just like demos so um a good friend of mine Phil like he and I we grew up together and he he would always do his own recordings and like his own demos and everything at his house. He had like a little mm -hmm. recording set up. Um, and so he and I did a couple songs, like two songs. No way. That from when I was like, one was, I was 17 and then the other is I was 18. So he and I did like two like complete songs. All the other stuff we did was like, uh, just demos, like acoustic and vocals and just kind of things like that. But the only time we ever actually like went in and did all the instrumentation and actually finished a song where like, here's a complete product. Um, I'd only done it twice before. And yeah. And again, that last time that we did that, I was like 18 years old. So were any of those like, songs? And that was Phil Wickham. No, Daniel. Phil Daniel. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know why I was saying Wickham, but um, yeah. Uh, He's Phil the other Daniel. Phil. The other Phil, yeah. Two, Just, the two Phil's in the 
Super Dan- close proximity. Danny is just better. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but no. So, but did uh, the, any of those get released? Uh, on MySpace. <laughs> on MySpace. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, <laughs> someone go find those. <laughs> <laughs> They're on MySpace somewhere. Uh, that's um, awesome. So yeah. So those were the only two that I'd ever like recorded and released. You know, I did other. I I had done other like um just like recording somebody, one of my other friends had lent me like a Mac at one point when I was like 20 years old and I recorded like Colorado for the first time, Colorado. So that was 2010 when I wrote that and I did a demo of it and that's also on MySpace somewhere too. Um, But it was just like, I just, you know, hit record on the Mac and just recorded. When you can just have, just right now my head is, I'm just going, I'm thinking through like, the bands, the band pages on MySpace and oh, stuff yeah. like that, like the way that you're able to have music on there. It was the best. And I remember like when I first started MySpace or I first got on there, there were no like music players. You had to embed a YouTube video if you oh, wanted yeah. a song on your page. And like Dude. you had to really know what you were doing. Oh, yeah. Because it was all like code. Yeah, you had to, you had to figure out how to get the code. Yeah. You had to like do like, like low key amateur coding yeah. to get your MySpace, MySpace like shit like on the level and it was so tight That's i funny. loved myspace like myspace was so good i still like it better than any social media i have cannot say that i've stumbled on myspace and oh no it doesn't it even exist ex- it doesn't exist it, it's a music only thing now it is well they did that well yeah yeah they did music it, it kind of I mean, worked in into like a music like thing the way they, they had their band pages yeah. set up and stuff like that yeah. Like thinking about it right now, it is so much easier than yeah. like even the way things like Facebook operate now. Way better. You can go on to like and just listen to like three singles that they decided to put they out. Decide, yeah. Like it's really cool. Um, yeah, there were still bands that I really liked that were on MySpace that I have no idea where That's they are so now. They might not trippy. exist anymore. I used to listen to that all the time. Yeah. Like go on the pitch just to listen to that song. God, that's like almost analog now compared to today's technology <laughs> yeah you'd almost call that analog, <laughs> analog. Like that's as close as like it's like spinning wax yeah. almost. <laughs> so uh, millennial wax yeah that was millennial yeah. wax it's going on I'm like oh yeah i gotta go on that i gotta go to my buddy's house because he's got internet and a computer and i yeah. can log into my myspace there and then go listen to that song yeah yeah my minutes ran out so uh-huh. i can't use mine this week <laughs> Dude, I was a pay-as-you-go guy. Dude, we pay-as-you-go. Yeah. We would go. We get those things like the free samples or whatever it was. It would be like it'd be like you know an out free one hour of like Earthlink or something like that. Oh, and no we way. would just I would go and I would just jack them from all my neighbors. Yeah. And so I would have this stack of like the free. <laughs> you'd have to create a different account every time. I probably got like three hundred Earthlink emails out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane yeah that's so awesome that's a trip yeah but, so yeah uh, uh yeah so some of that stuff just existed like on myspace but, but yeah that was really it that was kind of like that was all i really did so then going into the record like yeah that was my recording experience mm. it was just like and phil and i were just good friends so it wasn't like oh i knew a guy that recorded stuff it was just like phil and i were always hanging out and it was like, hey, let's record that song kind of thing. So yeah. it wasn't like it was the most informal. He was form. already doing stuff. Yeah. Doing that, so it was yeah. Like, and he was the wizard. Like yeah. he knew everything. And I just was like, well, you know, I had no idea. And um, 
you know, my first time playing to like, you know, a click and headphones and stuff like that. Um, which was all great. Like it all really helped shape me, you know, even though I didn't use it back mm -hmm. then, like it was all part of stuff that like I had learned. So then, yeah, you know, fast forward 10 years and then I'm, you know, doing that stuff at Brad's and, and then it was just like, yeah, where do we go from here? Like I did, you know, acoustic and vocals. And then I kind of just started reaching out to people that like I knew that I was still in contact with. Like, you know, I'd always, Jonathan and I, we've yeah. never been out of contact. So it's like, Hey, you know, John G, I'm doing some stuff. And he's like, awesome. Finally. Like, how can I help? Like, yeah, you know, I love to play on them. Cool. Okay. That day was insane too. The first time Jonathan came up and played and put like lead on a few of the songs. Oh. I think country boy might've been the first one we did. Oh man. And I just remember being like sitting outside because it's like Brad has a studio like in the house and I was like outside the slider door and like listening to like what Jonathan was playing. And I was like, oh my God, like my songs are actually becoming like real songs because Jonathan's incredible. Insane. And he's so good. And so yeah. what he did, it like, I was like, oh my, like that sounds like a real song. Wow. <laughs> That's, that shit's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh my God. So <clears throat> Yeah. And then it just kind of went, you know, and then Todd, Todd came and did some bass. And then, yeah, I sent, you know, demos over to Dan. And he's like, oh, you know. And then, yeah, so he played on it. And That's Dan Bailey, by the way. If you yeah. listeners out there don't know, that is the dude. He's he's very, very awesome dude. And, um, yeah, so it just it basically just came from just a lot of friends, people that I'd known, which is fun, all from church playing in the church mm. and they're all just these great musicians and um you know them just lending a hand in like the most humbling experience of just being like oh my god like that's and watching like your music you know because at that point and then I like I was so I was all in like at that point I finally like I had got my brain to being like you're doing music and that's what you're gonna do like it all adds up like you're almost like, like I'm almost, I am. I'm just, I'm really shitty at focusing on anything that I'm not super into. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I've been working all these different jobs and it's like I have to support myself and my family. But like I've never gotten like spiritual fulfillment out of any of those things <laughs> at yeah. all. Yeah. So like, but music is like one of those things where, you know, I can think about it 24 seven and just do all, and it just, it's natural. So it's like, okay, those are the things where you find like what you're supposed to do. Like, I don't try to do it. It just happens. And if I just kind of like let it. Yeah. So it's just a very natural kind of thing. Um, and so like, you know, my mindset got there and it figured it out and was like, okay, you can do music. You know, you just, you have to push like, yeah. you gotta, and so then but nothing happens in a vacuum. It was really that album is just a product of a lot of friends coming around and helping me. Yeah. And that's I mean, really what it is. Well, and not just friends, but like friends who also happen to be great heavy hitters, like great musicians, some of the best. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And like insane. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's just like one of those things where it's like so funny. I'm like, oh, that's 
wow, like that is really cool. Like, you know, and it's, and again, it's like, I mean, all those guys, Jonathan, Dan, Todd, like they would all the same kind of thing. They would say like, oh yeah, we grew up playing in the church. Yeah. We grew up playing consistently every single week. So they're all seasoned musicians and they've been playing biweekly gigs for decades. Or yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, for realistic and plus rehearsals in between there. Like yeah. they're just monsters of music. So it's like it was, yeah, like a lot of credit is basically it's basically due to I just had songs and it was just everybody else that made it happen. Well, the other side of this too is that you did have songs, but you had songs that were great because there's a lot of people that have songs and a lot of people have friends mm. and all those things. And it's one of those where it definitely takes a combination of all those things. Like obviously for people to give their time, it's not only they just believe in you, but they believe in the songs and they believe yeah. in what, what you're doing obviously too. So that's a huge part of it Yeah, um, for people to want to put their name on it and all yeah. of those things. And it's, so that's, Yeah. I, and that's what I'd hope, like, because, you know, I consider myself like a pretty nice person. So I'm like, you know, I hope they're not just like, you know, oh, he's just, he's a nice guy. So I'm going to help him out. Like, oh, it's like, oh, they really enjoyed playing on the songs. Because <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah. man, am I just getting by because I'm nice? Like, you know, and they all hopped in on this. Um, but, you know, and yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. And then you start thinking like, because so the record, it took the first so it was February 18th, 2018. So that was the day that I went and recorded demos. And the album didn't release until October, uh, was it October 19th, 2018. So it took almost two years is what I'm trying to say. Like it was Wait, like, it was 2018. 2018 was when I started those demos. And then yeah. it didn't. Re so the beginning of 2018, but it came and then out I didn't release October it until the fall of 2019. Yeah. So like 20 months. Yeah. Oh no, no, October 18th was when it came out. So it was 20 yeah. months exactly is what it was. Um. So I mean, the record almost took two years to make. Yeah. And and again, and there are a lot of there are other people that I met along the way that came in. Um. That you know played on the record too. There's you know neighbor Dan on trumpet. Neighbor Dan. Neighbor Dan, dude, he's so the good. man. Um, shout out to Dan Eastwood. Um, and he went and he, and he played trumpet. And then there's another guy, uh, Mario that played trumpet on sad boy. I mean, there was probably, you know, even my father-in-law came in and played accordion on Amsterdam effect. There was like all said and done, there were like 20 different musicians that ended up playing and or singing like, uh, Lauren Grace. She came and did some harmonies as well. Um, yeah, there were so many people, you know, that came in and kind of helped like along yeah. the way and just put little pieces together. Um, but it, it took a really a long time, like 20 months is a long time to work yeah. on a well, record. I remember when you had shown me kind of where stuff was at then yeah. and you were obviously like all of the main stuff was yeah. there and you were just trying to. Yeah. figure out how to get the last pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. And, and I remember having a conversation with you too, like being yeah. like, dude, the shit needs to like, get this, get this out so people can hear it already. <laughs> yeah. It was just one of those things like, and it was cool. And it was like, it was Brad's integrity as well as, as the producer. Like he just, he heard certain things and he was like, you know, and 
and it was great because he and I were kind of in sync of just like we weren't going to release it until we knew like we had all the pieces that we had heard in our head. Yeah. But doing like a total DIY record, no label. Meanwhile, I'm working a full-time job at the same time with a wife and child. So I'm working for all those 20 months. I'm working, you know, nine to five. And then three days a week, I'm like at least three, sometimes more, sometimes less leaving from work, going straight to Brad's and then being there to like 10, 11 at night and then coming home and then doing all. So like my wife is just an absolute angel um, for supporting me through all of that and like allowing that to, you know, or not even allowing, that's like a lame word to use. She didn't allow, she encouraged and, Mm -hmm. you know, supported me in that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it, there are a lot of different factors for why it, <laughs> why it, it took so long. Um, but it's kind of just, it's one of those things where it's like, it was the only way it could have happened. It's the only way we could have got the product that we, we got in the end. Um, yeah, there's this dude in the UK that did like the strings and stuff and he's wild. That dude is so wild. He's <laughs> awesome. Um, his name was William. But then again, he said that William may or may not be his real name or something that he was amazing though. It's almost as mysterious as Bloom. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually his, his surname. That's his last name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or am I, that might've been his last name and that's where I got it. Oh God. But, um, so yeah, it was just like, I don't know, you know, it was one of those things that was, you know how they say like the, it's not like a lightning in a bottle thing. Cause that happens real fast. Like this mm. was just, like the opposite of lightning in a bottle it's everything happening really really slow yeah but all ending up in the right place yeah kind of thing i don't know if lightning in a bottle that that saying has to do with the speed of the lightning but whatever i don't know either i have no idea stupid saying anyways (laughs) but um all the things ended up you know amounting to the right right way and i think we were happy with what we were able to put out but when you put a record out like that and it takes you that long, mm-hmm. by the end of it, by month 20, you look at it differently than you did at month two and month six and month 10. And if you're lucky, you still 15. love it. 15. And it, at the end of it, because of Brad and his integrity and things and his ability as a good producer, I did like it and I did love it by the mm-hmm. end of it. I was like, you know what? I think we put out you know a good a good record. And I think, man, we did like our very best with what we had. Granted, we had some great assets there, just mentioning those players, like some great musicians. And yeah, you know, we we definitely didn't take it for granted. Um, But uh, yeah, so put that out in October of last year. And then, you know, we were talking about getting ready and we were like, oh, maybe we'll do like, spring tour and stuff like that and go up the coast and all that. And then wah, 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 wah. Oh. Ah, shit. Friday the 13th. Remember Friday that was 13th. our last show? It was. That was our last show. It was Friday the 13th in March. Dang it. And we did it. We played at Black Plague. Black Plague. Okay. Yeah. I, in my head, I was thinking like, uh, not Winston's. What was that other place? Oh, um, down the one down TV. in, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was that same week though. It that was, week was, yeah. that was a busy week. We did that one and then we did the Nashville Benefit. At Moose oh, Lodge, yeah. and then the next night we did 
That's right. Yeah, Black Plague. Yeah, I so forgot about of... that because the Nashville benefit. I'm actually glad you brought that up because that's that's what I in my head I think of. Yeah, as being that, but that was a Thursday. Yeah, and that was it was a Thursday. the twelfth. Yep, and then we did the th- Friday the thirteenth. That was a big old bash though. That was fun. The Nashville one was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. That was good. I was really glad we got to do that. We got yeah. to squeeze it in because I yeah. knew it was getting tricky. It was. It was kind of one of those. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Yeah, it was totally. And then we had the Casbah book for the next weekend. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then that's when everything started to cancel. That's when it was all gone. Um, yeah. So that was that was wild. Mm-hmm. So it's like I still, I still kind of since everything kind of just got put on pause, I'm almost like, do I still look at that record as like? I still have to tour it, you know, because I know like I was still would mm-hmm. have to tour that record because I didn't. Right. <laughs> like it didn't. I barely got to yeah. play it. You're, you need to. Yeah. You never. <laughs> like I barely got to play the album out after like post release. Um, so I kind of look at it as I'm like, man, now, you know, and I've just been writing and writing, but I still have no. uh I have no intentions of like going back into the studio to start anything until as far you as the second fully record. like complete until I really until feel until like you I feel can, like until you feel like you've done that one. Justice. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Cause it's still just like, I mean, it's hit such a tiny audience. Yeah. Like it's just hit like what North County, San Diego, some of South, yeah. like, you know, and I mean, streaming wise, yes, your songs get all sure. over the world yeah. and it's like, Oh cool. I have listeners in like North Korea cool yeah like and no i really mean that cool i'm like oh that's awesome like glad you guys are getting down that's rad but like i haven't actually gone and like played it for anybody outside of and it's a record that needs to be played and it needs to be experienced that way in my opinion yeah like having not only just played but being someone on the other side watching it yeah as well it's just it's one of those it's just all those songs are just songs that are are great to experience live and they deserve to be yeah yeah I, I mean, I like, I, I agree. I love playing those songs live. I mean, those are all the songs that like, I mean, I haven't played a full band show since Friday the 13th. Yeah. If, uh, if I did, you know, those are, I love playing those songs. Um, man, we had some steam going too. We had new songs we were starting to incorporate in there yeah. too. Kind of getting ahead of it though. I was like already playing new songs yeah. before I'd really actually. I mean, it just happens. Well, I would say too, is like, one of the things I noticed with you, I was interested to see what was going to happen after the record came out as far yeah. as, because my experience um, is that, especially when it's like a first record, um, and I think you kind of mentioned this too, like a lot of these songs are songs that you've had for years. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, I wrote these songs last year yeah. and these go on a record. Yeah. It's like, yeah, here's my songs, that my lifetime, yeah. of my best hits of all my songs, yeah. essentially, yeah. and they go on a record. Yep. And I've found that for a lot of people, what happens next is kind of the most pivotal thing. Yeah. Because now you've kind of drained the swamp yeah, as exactly. far as like all yeah. your stuff. So now what are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, I, but I love like the stuff, like the way, like, well, one, I mean, obviously they weren't, you did the iPhones covers. Yeah. Which was rad. And then yeah. you started doing like these seasonal yeah. things, which again, all, I, which I, I want to tap into that shortly, but um, you want me to talk about iPhone covers? Yeah, yeah. At some point, I want to talk okay. about this recording process for that. Yeah, and like the, all of that. But um, but the songs that you did, your originals, like the seasonal yeah. ones you wrote, like they're just so well done. And like, mm. 
you write like there's always like this clever spin in your writing mm. and the way like the lyrically and musically it matches like the way you match all those things yeah. um and it's so well done that it was one of those things where i was like oh this dude's got songs for days like <laughs> like well i'm just yeah. saying that yeah. like some people i worry like I, yeah. I do i'll go and i'll worry like we did all your songs i'm i'm worried that you might not have were yeah a bountiful of ones to come is down the well going to fill up again yeah exactly yeah. and it was but i think that was like maybe the one or two of those and i was like oh okay this guy's not going to have any freaking problem with that yeah so there were songs that there were songs that i hid from brad that <laughs> yeah. he was like dude what the fuck like you're hiding songs from me like why didn't you pull that song like yeah. um so can't pretend is a song that's on Lotto de loma mm-hmm. it's like a the only like just acoustic one and I, I hid that from him for like a year, uh, till like towards the very end. And he was like, "What do you that like? We got to put that on the record too." I'm like, "Cause the song, the record was already like 14 songs." Yeah, it started out as like a five song EP, and then I was like, "Oh, I got this one too that I wrote." And, uh, he's like, "Okay, well, th- there's another one," and then it came to the point where he was like, "What else you got?" Kind of thing. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and I, I, I. So I hit a few, um, and so there's still some that like you know I kind of I I kind of kept back, um, but as far as like the uh, the seasonal tunes, like when I so I guess I could touch. I don't know. Do you want me to go? I mean, if chronologically, do you want me? To, or should we go to well, iPhone I was, covers I, or we could do both? But I was specifically I was kind of touching on your songwriting. Okay, on your okay, okay. Style, just because. All right. Because there is something to be said about I feel something and I'm writing a song out of this thing. Whereas you did something that I feel like a lot of people don't have as much of a power to do. Yeah. Which is to write something with intention. Oh, commentary. Kind of. Yeah. With commentary, but like being like, okay, it's Christmas. I'm going to write this Christmas song and I want to say this. And it's all, so it's going to be Christmas. I'm going to say all these things. Yeah. And that's the part that like, not, I mean, that's just a, great craft to be able to like to put okay. that together okay so so then um the bar that i kind of which by the way you could talk about the recording of oh, yeah. iphone stuff because you're, in there because to know <laughs> to know these songs when you go listen to them um into fall into summer into, into spring yeah um they are all recorded on his phone so I'm iPhone just saying 6S. that now. iPhone 6S, not even a new fancy phone, the iPhone 6S. It's the iPhone 6S. All and right, so I'm just putting that out there <laughs> so when we are talking about this, you understand that that's what's happening. And then like people tend to ask, like, oh, like what microphone? It's just the iPhone microphone, just like the same one you talk to your grandma into. Like on speakerphone? On, like this just is the iPhone microphone. Yeah. I just record straight into the iPhone mic. I just put, I plug in old headphones because you have to plug in old headphones that don't have the speaker. Don't have a speaker. Because that that mic, or that the mic that's on the little dangle thing, you know, like the ones you get <laughs> yeah. on your dangle. The dangle. That mic yeah. sucks if you want to record songs with. But you have to use old headphones. Anyways, um, but we can talk about that in a second. Uh, but the songwriting, like, so then I think, so I hold a pretty, and I don't, I don't say that I attain this, but I, I've just, I think I've, I've always tried to hold like a very high bar for songwriting. Like my, the Beatles are, in my opinion, are the greatest band that's ever existed. 
don't go listen to my podcast with Chad. I still, I'm like, how, at what point did you talk with him about that? Cause I'm like in like the first like quarter of <laughs> Just it. Stop. Okay. <laughs> God. <laughs> so for me as a songwriter, I, I look at, and I look at, and, um, and it always changes like, okay, which beetle is your favorite? You know, it's like, that'll change with you with what stage of life you're in. Oh God, this is some serious gets, beetle nerdery. Oh, I will get so nerdy. But okay, and I'll just I'll 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 kind of like condense it. But the Beatles and let's just pick Paul McCartney for for instance. So Paul and let's just pick the White Album. So Paul can have Blackbird and Helter Skelter on the same record, hmm. right? And like the songs couldn't be more polar opposite. Like one is a song, a beautiful folk, melodically driven song about the civil rights movement in the 1960s and then the other is just a song he just wanted to play the loudest song because he heard that the who had recorded the loudest song that's ever been recorded and he was like well shit i want to record the loudest song so he wrote helter skelter and there you go so you got those two like you got blackbird and helter skelter and then you've got like uh, Martha, my dear, and Honey Pie, and these things in between, right? So like, you look at all that, all the different things that he can say as a songwriter, the different things he can make you feel, mm. and that's just one beetle out of the four, and let's just call it three because the three were really the songwriters, John, Paul, and and, and George. But anyways. But as a songwriter, being able to take you and make you feel all those different things and be able to speak on all those different things, like that is just like an incredible thing. Hmm. You know, Rocky Raccoon. Okay, there's a ballad. There's a story. There's like an old, you know. And so I love that. Um, but so those are kind of like, and what I'm saying is that <laughs> they're bars that I don't attain, but like that's the bar. I would say, okay, that's the bar I want to hold my songwriting to. I want to take, I want to be able to say, okay, I don't want to just be a one trick pony and just write the same kind of song. I want to be able to write two songs and have them both exist on a record and have somebody like, what are these both doing on the same record kind of thing? Like talking about different things, mm -hmm. totally different emotions, totally different genres even I mean, not so much different genres but in a way um and so that's like so that would be you know kind of what i that's the goal i look to i guess um and so when you have a a, a goal that high there's a lot underneath to explore <laughs> for me like it's just like okay that's unattainable so i can kind of just like feel the freedom to just kind of go all around and 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 try and pick pieces out of any anything and try and write it into what I think can be a coherent song at that point. Um, but that's kind of what I'm always, that's the secret. I'll tell you that that's, that's more of a secret than where Bloom came from. <laughs> that's, I will reveal that one. That's like what I'm trying to attain all the time. Okay. It's not going to get there, but like that's where my brain's at when I'm writing these songs and they will fall so far short of Blackbird and things like that. But that's what I'm trying to get because that's just what, that's what like keeps me going. Like that's what, and since I was a kid, like that's what has really like inspired me. 
and like where I felt music and just like, I think I just experienced it in a very unique and special way more than like a lot of even my friends at the time. But, um, growing up, I mean, so I think I, I don't know. And then (laughs) another person that kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different, like kind of ways of songwriting craft as well. And now all that to go back, okay, talking about craft of just being able to write, you know, and being able to think about and kind of talk on something. Um, I love Father John Misty. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that Josh Tillman can just kind of, the way he can talk about things. And he talks about things so conversationally in his lyrics. And that's definitely like a, a, a page that I think that's a page I pulled out for these specific, like these seasonal ones I've done is just instead of being more like a narrator, a more just like a, a conversation commentary on like what's happening. Hmm. So I put out, I was, you know, pandemic hit. So all of our conversation, here's where we're tying it in. Released Lotto de Loma. Cool. We were playing some shows. Pandemic hit. Everything shut down. I'm working from home. I'm sitting at home. It's March 13th was the last day that I went into the office and worked my my job. And then after that, I'd been work I've been working remotely since. Um, and so then I was just at home, you know, like looking around and just like, okay, it's just a couple weeks. Well, we flatten the curve. Um, and I love springtime. Like I absolutely. I don't really care about fall. <laughs> Winter, even less. Yeah. Spring and summer are my jam. Okay. So spring hit, and I was so excited for spring. I'm like, oh my God, like we spring forward, we get longer days. Uh, like that's yep. what I want, right? Yeah. And that spring 2020 was just like the most, just kicky in the balls. Most unspring spring. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. And I even, I had records. I had Jonathan had showed me this record, this Waysblood record had come out like a few months prior. He's like, oh, you got to listen to this. And I I remember telling Jonathan, I was like, oh man. And I listened to it all the way through. I was like, that record's so good. I'm going to wait until like time change and like till spring really comes in, you know, and I like you smell the jasmine and stuff like that. And like really, because like I love to associate all that stuff with new music when I find it, you know, and because that's the way I am. Like I, it, music is so, uh, it, it, yeah, anyways, um, so anyways, I was just really looking forward to spring and, you know, and not to sound like, but anyways, yeah, that's what, that's where my head was at. And then everything kind of hit and I was just like, ah, God damn it. Like there it all goes. And, uh, and then I was just out like, you know, kind of like taking my self-imposed breaks from work where you kind of walk away from wherever you're working, kitchen table or whatever. And I just go in the backyard to soak up some sun because it's March and it was rainy and cold and the sun was out that and just started, you know, thumbing through and playing a song. And I just kind of started to talk about like, okay, what am I thinking about? Like, and the sentiment was like, I just want all this shit to go away. Mm. Like I know, and not in an insensitive way, you know, I know people were are suffering and things like that, or people were getting ill and it, people are losing their jobs and things like that. And more of a reason, I'm like, I just want this to blow away. Mm. Not like an, an ignorant, but as an artist, you can just say, you can hard on your sleeve kind of thing. I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to explain that. I understand that you're feeling pain and stuff like that. So I'm not trying to like 
discredit that. I'm just saying like, God damn, like this sucks. And I just want it to go away. Like, I just want to go back to what, like the track that we were on kind of thing, you know, and that's where my brain was. And so I started writing that tune, you know, winter changes into spring and, you know, and then it kind of came in and that was, it became a song and I was like, oh, you know, I like that song. And I had done, and at that point, like I was, I was kind of staying hunkered down. I wasn't going to go over to Brad's and record a song mm-hmm. because I was like being super cautious yeah, back in what, March. We were told and, to do yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm staying in my house. I'm not yeah. going over to anybody's house and recording. So I have the song and I like what it's saying. And I feel like I want to release it, but how can I do it? And I was like, oh, well, I did do the iPhone covers thing where I just recorded all that stuff on my iPhone. Like maybe I'll just do that. Um, which would tie into really quickly. I'll explain the iPhone covers. When you take twenty months to make a record, <laughs> you get antsy. And I just wanted stuff to release. I released Sad Boy, and between Sad Boy and the release of the record was about a year. Yeah. So usually you don't. It doesn't take a year for between the single and the album to come out. I mean, maybe sometimes it does. I'm no expert. And not often. But not often. So I was antsy. Um, and uh, every time I had come up with a demo for a new song or whatever, an old one that I decided to show to Brad, my producer, I'd record it on my iPhone and send it over. And he was like, you know, it's like funny. These recordings sound, they sound pretty good, you know? So I was like, okay. So then I ended up just, I had some different like covers that I'd recorded on my phone. I ended up releasing them because I got antsy and was like, I want something to release. So while the record's being finished while we're doing different things and gathering all the different instruments from all over the freaking world that we can get these random dudes in the UK that are recording (laughs) strings and sending back over and not telling us their real name and weird (laughs) shit like that. It's like, okay, I just put out an album of just covers just to maybe, so before the album comes out, like, Hey, this is the kind of music I'm inspired by. Hmm. Um, you might be surprised. There's no Elvis or Buddy Holly or Roy Orbison on the iPhone covers. It's arcade fire and like white stripes and stuff like that. But anyways, um, so I, having done the iPhone covers thing and having, having released an album solely recorded on my iPhone 6S with, you know, backing vocals and instrumentation and different things like that. Yeah, that we're not talking guitar and vocals. <laughs> we're talking like a full production. Yeah, know, and stuff that, yeah, like different. Yeah. So I was like, well, I, I'd done it before and people seem to enjoy it. So yeah. Why don't I do that with this song? So I went and recorded it into spring and then put it out. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I, I'd said what I wanted to say. And musically, um, you know, tying it back to like, okay, you put out a record of basically your greatest hits from the past like 10 years because that's exactly what it was. You nailed it when you said that. It's like, oh, those are my greatest hits. Um, how do I write now? in this stage and I really enjoy the way that like movements in music and even like changing time signatures within a song um not much for like modulation and stuff like that because it's for like 90s rock but no I'm just kidding um or 90s ballads yeah or like random old yeah country shit yeah yeah things like that yeah actually you know modulation there's everybody gets into modulation maybe I will too but um (laughs) But like it just the way that uh and it's specifically even like yeah, I just like the way that as you go 
through a story and what you're trying to say, even if it's not narrative, just if you, as you walk through a sentiment, like your train of thought, if the music can match that, it just makes it all the more potent, you know, and not, you know, necessarily as corny as like, oh, I, I go to the minor six when I say something really sad, like, oh, cause that gets them right in the feels. But like, not that, but like if it naturally, if you kind of go that way and the music follows your, your lyrical content and it just kind of happens that way like that that's a great thing like it's a great thing to be able to kind of hone in on Mm -hmm. and um i mean if you look at the beatles or paul mccartney and stuff like that i'll use one of his songs she's leaving home from uh, sergeant pepper and this might have been george martin their producer because he's an absolute genius he's the fifth beetle but um where uh it talks about in the song of the narrative, it talks about um, the mom finds out that the girl has run away from home and she says, daddy, our baby's gone. And when it says like the parents realize their kid has run away, it hits the minor. And then the, the strings start going staccato. So it implies like stress and anxiety and, and fear and sadness. And like that kind of thing moves you as a listener. So, to get to the point where like maybe as a songwriter, you can get past, this is what I'm trying to say, but like, this is also like sonically and melodically how I want to say it to convey like, so maybe I don't have to say like, man, this sucks, I'm sad. But I can say something that like maybe saves face yeah, lyrically and it sounds like things are cool. But if you really kind of like underline, like mm. musically, it's like, oh, Maybe it's kind of that thing like where you're, somebody's like, how are you? You're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know they're not fine. Yeah. But it's underlined like that. So that kind of, I think that's so fun. Yeah. Like songwriting wise. And you get into that. And so. You did that. I, uh, a good example of that is uh, Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. Like the way, like you talked about that stress point. And yeah. Stuff like that. So like the, yeah. ju- the journey of that song yeah. is it totally is that all through and through. It's just like, yeah, you're just kind of floaty, yeah. and, you know, when you're, when you, the story behind that song is I smoked way too much weed in Amsterdam. First time smoking weed, a novice at 25, no, 26. And I smoked, uh, like a whole joint, just like, boom, right down to the butt, like just straight all the way. And I was like, Oh man, like, you know, I didn't feel anything. And then I finally got to the end and then I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying. Done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then I wrote that song like while I was still kind of high. And it was like, yeah, so that idea of, you know, you're kind of yeah. floaty, you're here. And then, yeah. and then by the end of it, then the paranoia sets in. Yeah. And you're, you know, that kind of idea. And I think that's really fun. Like as a songwriter, I think there's so much more. I think, yeah, I, I believe in art. Music is art, art is mm-hmm. subjective. And for me, I like almost how I say something to be more potent than like what I said. You know, there are things where you can say something snappy yeah, and it's just right there. But there are a lot of times where you can just imply things that keep people coming back. And mm-hmm. for me as a listener, that's what I've always liked. Hmm. Like say, for instance, that she's leaving home where it's like, oh man, like, you know, as a kid listening to it, I wouldn't have noticed that. But as an older, you know, teenager or adult, I was like, oh my God, like, that's beautiful. Like, that's really cool. Um, I'm realizing and, I need to go back and re-listen to 
You mean like the Beatles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> we can have that conversation unless you want to have like a seven hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we can have that conversation. In fact, shit, I'll write it up. I'll just <laughs> yeah, write send up like me, a whole thesis. Yeah, send me a thesis on it and uh Yeah, it'll be, yeah. I'll, I'll do, yeah. Um, but uh, so what was cool though is that these, you know, I did into spring and that was cool. And I kind of said, and then another time, um, it was in like July and then I just released that one song and I was just like, okay, you know, I had no intentions of releasing anything else. But then come late July, it was my first time playing a show back out hmm. and it was Vineyard and it was because oh, yeah. of you. Yeah. And you were like, hey, do you want to play at this awesome place? And, you know, it's all outdoors and everything. And uh, I was like, okay, that that sounds great. But the night before the show, I remember being like kind of stressed just because I just, you know, you you get to this point where, and I'm a pretty like, you know, to a certain extent, not being like insensitive, but like a, I'm a pretty like IDGAF as far as like, like, like trendy or any kind of like, I don't, I don't want to be accepted like in the, in the common cool, like sway of whatever is out there at the time. Like, right. I, I don't care. Like yeah. I'm going to the, the latest. Exactly. Social and media like, hashtag. I don't like, I'm going to bet. And so I was like, okay, you know, I agreed to playing the show, but I'm like, man, I had that thought and that stress of like, how's this going to look that I'm going back out at the end of July? Cause it was like July 20 something, 24th or something. Mm -hmm. How's that going to look? Like, what are people going to think that I'm going out and playing music for people Mm -hmm. together again and granted they're all outdoors and sitting at their own places all spaced out as they would have been pre-pandemic all more than six feet away anyways but all outdoors in the great you know fallbrook countryside and i just started to have that kind of thought of just like oh man like are people just going to be like what are you doing you know you're 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 gonna kill people or something like you know i was just right. like what are people gonna say you know <laughs> and so i started just like you know those thoughts were kind of going through my head and I, you know, the night before and my wife and I, we put our son to bed and we're just kind of hanging out standard night, like watching the office reruns or whatever. Um, office is always reruns. I don't know why I said that, but, um, I mean, we've seen it like 10 times. So yeah. Uh, and just sitting there and kind of, okay. And we're done with that. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, we're gonna go to bed. And I'm like, I'm just going to stay up a little bit longer. Like I kind of got something and I kind of grabbed and I started picking through this like super predictable almost like grossly predictable little like folk medley kind of thing or melody um on the guitar and I just kind of started kind of like talking through what I was feeling you know talking about like putting yourself out on the line and like have I given this thing enough time like or you know or you know should I go through or is it still too fresh a wound like are people gonna you know is it too fresh like people like are people gonna jump down my throat because I'm just going to go play some music to people like those were I mean those were things that were really going through my yeah. head like you well, know real life actual concerns yeah where you're just like man I don't want to like you know bum people out but also like some people are really like wanting to go listen to somebody play music yeah. um and it was just and I kind of came to terms with how I'd been feeling and just like feeling like man I'm not going anywhere like and 
not as like playing the victim. There are people that had so much harder situations. I was able to keep my job through all of this. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm extremely fortunate. And people have had it much harder than me. But again, as the artist and as somebody who writes in whatever facet or expresses yourself through any means, you're allowed to just put your heart out there Mm -hmm. and write how you feel. So I was like, you know what? Because then I was like, even had like that writer's kind of like, syndrome where I'm like oh is this too like woe is me where people have gone through things much harder but it's like well that's not your job necessarily as the artist like you just write what you're feeling yeah and I didn't have any plans of putting it out or anything I just was like I'll just like go through like keep writing what you're kind of and so that night I wrote that a song that ended up being released as Into Summer and it's just talking about how you like kind of feel like you're going nowhere and nothing's right nothing really seems like it's right but it's not quite as bad as it could be kind mm-hmm. of thing you know because for me personally it wasn't as bad as it could yeah. be some people it might have been but for it me yeah. it wasn't as bad as it could be so you know and I did that and then I just the next morning I woke up and kind of like listened to the voice memos and I was like oh, okay and then I recorded a little demo on my phone and sent it over to Brad and I was like you know don't make fun of me I kind of did like a a folk I kind of broke into like folk acoustic ish like kind of genre and he sent back the the Dropbox. He's like, I mastered it, put it out. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and I, I named the song summer 2020. Yeah. And he's like, just call it into summer. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. So I did that. And then I was like, okay, well now I'd put two of those out. I did spring and summer. And I was like, well, if I don't do fall, I'm a chump. <laughs> and again, though, so I was like, I can't force my, like, I can't force a song out of me, but I have to wait till I get to the point where I'm like, and like what's going on so then god if fall didn't give you as a songwriter oh god if that didn't fill the well then like your well's got a leak yeah a big leak like a big old leak because <laughs> like uh, i was just like i was so excited for that it's like i got some shit to say now yeah like, <laughs> so anyways i uh, just kind of kept it rolling and then um and then yeah, that's what I just showed you. Into winter, yeah, into winter, and into winter. Yeah, I got the a next sne- I got a sneak gonna... peek of into winter, and it is good <laughs> and wintry. It's just a real sad Christmas song. Um, but yeah, but what I really like about these these songs and doing everything by like on my own and kind of being able to be my own producer mm-hmm. and everything and being limited in that way, like where I don't have that you know the same ear that Brad does mm-hmm. you know who produced every you know a lot of the loma and everything i did previous um but it really is like you know it gives me it kind of puts the reins in my hands where and granted yeah i did it for the iphone covers but those are kind of easy when you're doing somebody else's song you can get away with kind of like oh it's just my interpretation but when it's your song it was like a lot more where i'm like man like i really i do get to be my own producer i get to decide what instrument like how i put here and how i want things to kind of sit and like how I want it to sound and I get to mix it all myself and like so of course I mix my vocals up nice and loud <laughs> louder yeah. louder louder because that's what everybody wants when they write the songs uh, yeah can you put my vocals up in the mix so anyways um but it was good and it, and it and it got me to that mindset where then I could maybe write more snappy lyrics mm-hmm. and more uh, commentary on what's going on which was really fun like yeah. I really enjoyed it but you do it so cleverly. You do it so well. That's the thing. It's it's like I it's one of those where 
like I just laughed because it was like one of those things where like I remember when I heard the Into Fall and yeah. uh, you sent it to me. Yeah. You know, because I had posted something that was um, less clever and yeah. it was more frustrated <laughs> and like just straight to like the. <laughs> no, yeah. and, uh, and so when you sent it and I was listening to it and I was just like, like I wish I was able to say things in a way that hid the frustrations yeah. a little more yeah. in the sense of it was just that. And I just admire that ability yeah. to just make something, to be able to say things so poignantly and then, but to be able to do it in a way that's not like aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, I, yeah, I, I appreciate that because that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I just don't know. I'm like, is it too aggressive? I'm like, is that no, it not so aggressive good. enough? Like, do, is, are people going to understand what I'm saying? Um, I highly recommend <laughs> you go listen to it. All of them, but Into Fall is, is just so good. But it was just like, it was, I don't know. It was the idea. And it, so truth, truth be told, I write a lot of those. So, okay. Into spring, yeah, I wrote that at the house or whatever, and then in, into summer on the couch. Into fall, I wrote most of it driving around in the car, mm. and which is another way where I, I kind of write a lot of songs driving, so I write them a cappella. A lot of my songs, even all the way back to the ones that I was talking about on the that were on Lotto de Loma that are like 10 years old, I write a lot of them while I was driving, and I just record and I sing a cappella, mm-hmm. and then I go home... And I find chords that support the melody. You figure that out that way. Interesting. So a lot of times the chords will have a very like, like into fall. If you're like a bassist or a guitar player, that's going to have to follow all my chord changes. You'd be like, dude, I hate you. You (laughs) son of a bitch. Like there's nothing. And into winter, the one that's going to come out again, you'd hate it even more because it doesn't follow like a standard chord progression because Mm -hmm. I'm writing chords to support a melody that's just written off yeah. in space somewhere. Like, so um, that kind of thing is fun too. And I guess that's one of the ways that I've kind of always written. Not, not, have, not having to follow a form. Yeah. That it like, it the verse might have this thing and then yeah. go into the next one. It might not. Yeah, and exactly. I know that from stuff when we were working on some of the newer songs. Yeah. And uh, I remember we'd be talking about something and be like, oh, well, it should go to this. And you'd be like, that's why I don't want to do it. Yeah. Cause yeah. And it's like those, <laughs> You're like, nope. Some of those things where it's like, it kind of makes it too predictable. Yeah. And there are some things, you know, like I feel like a lot of the times I do, um, I kind of write, uh, almost like honestly to like the critics ear. Hmm. Cause I want not just like the average listener to be like, Oh, that's good. I want like a musician and I want a producer Mm -hmm. to go, oh, like that was cheeky. Like I heard what he did there. Like I want that. But then again, if you can do that, if you can write movements and if you can compose musically, and I mean, not to sound too like, you know, high up on some like soapbox or whatever, but like, but if you can do that, then in turn, what you can do is you can give the listeners unsuspecting ear something that they don't know why mm-hmm. that sounds cool. They don't know why they like it, but it's not getting repetitive. It's not necessarily like, oh yeah, he did. So the chorus, the chords changed on the chorus. The melody stayed the same, but the chords changed. So something behind there sonically mm-hmm. keeps the listener's ear going like, 
yeah, it's the same, but not. Right. And they have no idea why. They don't. Yeah. But like it keeps you engaged rather than it just being Because like, if halfway into a song, they can now predict the song. Exactly. And if you can't predict the song, you are now more engaged in the song. Yeah. It causes just the person that's unsuspecting that has no idea about anything musical. And I'm not like, I don't know music theory, theory very well at all. Like I'm still learning a lot, but like it does, it, it, it catches the listener's ear, like the unsuspecting listener's ear. And if you can catch them with that, then, then you kind of got something because you can kind of keep them coming back. And then in turn, then you're also pleasing the suspecting ears, right. the ones that you're are going to listen that are like, oh, is it just going to be the same like yeah. formula over and over? Or is he going to instead take that minor and go to the major on the next verse mm -hmm. just to like, what the hell was that? And, but that's a lot of things. I just rip that because that's what the Beatles did. <laughs> and that's what George yeah. Martin was like, hey, like do this. And, you know, and that stuff that they did, that is what, you know, you go back and like you're saying, like you go and you listen to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh. Or, um, yeah, a lot of those things. I mean, yeah, what are you talking about? Well, that's what's interesting, you know, and not to keep bringing up Beatles situation, but um, I will say that, like, I never heard anyone talk about the Beatles the way that you talk about the Beatles. Oh. And that's a very clearly, that's like a huge influence and something you've spent a lot of time. Like, I have music that's like that for me, though, too, where it's like I can I can talk for three days about yeah records from so-and-so and whatever. Yeah. Um, and they're just, but they started off as things I was just drawn to. Mm-hmm first and then i just fell in love with them and be in falling in love with them i did that yeah. i unfortunately didn't have that growing up yeah like the beat growing up the beatles were not played in my household okay yeah. so it was something i had to go back and like listen to mm -hmm. and then when i did it was just like a okay yeah it was like it's uh, always been there kind of thing yeah Even though you didn't look for it like they've just there's such a giant thing they've just kind of always been there yeah and it so it didn't have the thing that it's one of those scenes where I went and I I respected them historically, mm -hmm. um, and and for everything that kind of like foundationally and so yeah. many of those aspects that are just the very generic things. Yeah, but it just was it didn't it didn't do that. Granted, yeah. also I'm not a singer and a songwriter, and so like there's a lot of aspects of that that yeah you know may just be over my head too. Yeah, but um, but it is interesting hearing. The way you talk about that, because it is, I'm, and I imagine too, for when I start talking about, you know, whoever the, to be someone who's like, uh, I don't even know who you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, and I doubt that they have the interest that anyone is ever going to have, but yeah. like, but hearing you talk about it, it's like, well, so like, I love that. Yeah. Like all those little nuances and all yeah. the little details that are, are in there that I just missed. Yeah. And so that's like one of those things that makes me want to go, all right, I need to go, I need yeah. to dig them out. That's, you know, what's funny is I, I've had the same thing with my friends that I've talked to about the stones. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the thing, the stones, they, they're just that giant entity that's yeah. always been there. And I, I really, I like some stone songs. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, oh man, yeah. I oh, like I the Rolling Stones are a great band, yeah. but I also like, I never really just got in because nothing like really pulled me in that yeah. far. But so, and that they're is, a band that I need to go back and I need to really sit and sit with the stones for a long yeah. time. Well, Unless that's what's funny is that you've mentioned that because when uh, in chat, when Chad was here and we started talking about the Beatles and we yeah. kind of were on that too. And then he, it immediately went to the Stones. Yep. 
because it is. It's like it's like these two camps. Yeah. It's like you got the people who are all in on the Beatles and are like fuck the Stones, and then it's like (laughs) (laughs) the first thing I'm doing tomorrow morning is going back and hitting play and finishing your chat's conversation. (laughs) I I didn't quite get there yet. Uh, Oh my god. So then then next Chad and I have to have a conversation. Oh God. I'll just go go tell him to listen to this one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's uh it's just yeah, it's really it's just interesting. Um, but I mean, there's just, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, I guess I'm not even going to say this, like this dogmatically thing. Cause I, you know, speaking to come from the church, yeah. I hate dogmatic statements nowadays. Mm. Like if you're not this, then you're this. Okay. But for me personally, as a songwriter, I feel like you have to take everything, like everything in mm-hmm. and like be able to, be able to siphon that some way yeah and have it go through you and have it come out in some way or another yeah because and i thought about doing this on like a like an instagram thing where you can do those multiple choice things i always wanted to do this where kind of get like you know my tiny little corner of the internet my tiny little following Mm -hmm. but what they would assume that i've grown up listening to as Uh, opposed to what i did yeah you know like, so it'd be like, you know, between the two, like, do you think I listen to more Roy Orbison in my life or more My Chemical Romance? <laughs> the answer is My Chemical Romance. Yeah. I've listened to way more My Chemical Romance and Weezer. Yeah. And I mean, all sorts of random, I mean, fiery furnaces, like weird indie bands and stuff like that. Then I've listened to any, I love Elvis. Yeah. I've listened, the one I have, I mean, if you listen to the song, you'd be like, oh, he's probably like, like Johnny Cash a lot. I've listened to a lot of Johnny. Okay, so that's one thing I really have listened to a lot. But like Marty Robbins, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of these things that you could peg in songwriting, especially for like Lauda de Loma. Um, I haven't really taken a lot of that in. It's just mm. like I've taken like the surface level of it, you know? Yeah. Buddy yeah. Holly and stuff like that. Like I, I like Buddy Holly right. and I like Roy and I like, or like Chris Isaac is another one. Oh, yeah. But like, I mean, I basically only know. No. Like, I mean, I kind of only know that song and like a couple of, but the funny thing is like, and then understanding and all that back from who knows how long ago we started talking, but talking about how coming to my sound is just finding out like, what if I, I kind of came to a point, like, what do I want to sound like? Mm-hmm. What's natural and what do I want to sound like? And it happened to be not necessarily always like all the things that I've listened to. Like, I mean, I listened to so much all through high school. Like I was a product of my time. So like I spent most of my time listening to Death Cab for Cutie and Postal Service. Yeah. Blink-182. My first like favorite band was Metallica. Yeah. I was like a nine-year-old kid and I was sneaking Metallica albums, like Mm -hmm. going to buy them from Sam Goody or the Warehouse Music. Like all this stuff that's like so far, like oldies were fine. Like K-Earth 101. All that stuff. (laughs) Like, yeah, like it was there and like, yeah, right on. But like, that wasn't what like, like, I've listened to more Tool than I have Elvis. Yeah. Way more Tool than I have Elvis. But you listen to my music, you'd be like, it's nothing like Tool. But that's like, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of the way. But yeah. like, um, but you know, and then sometimes it shows through, like, I love Chuck Berry. And then Mary yeah. Jane and Susie Lee was just my best attempt at writing a Chuck Berry song. Sure. That's it. Like, yeah. so sometimes it pe- it'll poke but, through real obviously. Yeah. Uh, Gone for Good. And that was my best attempt at writing a Graham Parsons tune. Yeah. But like a lot of the time it's like, uh, 
your influences and going back to kind of the point I was trying to make is like as a songwriter, you have to be able to take a lot of stuff in. And so like I can take the Beatles in really easy because mm -hmm. I've like I've studied Beatles, not just like music and like chord charts and things like that, but like interviews, like every interview I can find of them as a group, them solo on mm -hmm. YouTube and just listening to what they thought, what right. they talked about, the stories behind the songs. Yeah like especially George Martin, yeah. like in his as a producer and like all that. But so, yeah, you take that in somebody like your big boy, like your big guy influences. Yeah. Like those are like the big main key players. But like you have to be able to take like Rage Against the Machine and stuff like oh, that, yeah. like stuff where it's like that being able to like say something about the times. Mm. Now they're just way more aggressive. Super but aggressive. How do you peel it back? Also super creative. Oh my God. Aggressive so and creative. creative. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> incredible. Yeah. But like, so those things that you have to be, you know, to, to kind of, I mean, or like Enya. Yeah. Like stuff like, yeah. I, I love all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Raven. And then, you know, from a, like a musician standpoint, like Frank Sinatra, he wasn't writing his own stuff, but the way that Frank could go and sing and interpret a song and stuff like that. Like I listened so much. Sinatra as like a high school kid because I had to do a report my sophomore okay. year at I would say the it was like, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh and so I was just like 14, 15 years old. And uh yeah, and Sinatra was obviously a big, a big part of the 50s. Um, well, I mean he was a big part of 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um basically until he died. He was just a big part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um but um Anyway, so I like he was a part of my, and then I just started listening. I went to Barnes and Noble and bought like a, you know, a, a greatest hits record, and as part of just my like presentation for my report, whatever. But what was I doing a decade report on the 1950s in my sophomore year? It's like something you do when you're like fifth grade. Anyways, I was 15 doing that yeah. kind of stuff. But um, no, I didn't. Anyways, uh, so. <laughs> That though, yeah, and like I got so I got super into like, and so then hearing and understanding, but then I knew like, oh, he didn't write this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, as a but at that same time, then I was <laughs> then I was really into Johnny Cash and him writing a lot of that stuff and then seeing the side of like, yeah, he was a limited performer, he was a right. limited musician, absolutely, super limited vocally, uh, musically, but god, that guy could tell a story and the main thing was whether he wrote it and he wrote most of them or he was telling somebody like boy named Sue where mm -hmm. he didn't write that tune or, uh, you know, 25 minutes to go or something like, or he didn't, but man, that guy could like, he made it his own, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And so you take all, like, you've got to be able to take all of these things in and find a way to get them out. And like a lot of rap music, I listened to tons of rap music. Yeah. Right, I mean, cadence and like just cadence, the way, oh everything. my God. And God. like, so when you're right and like your melody and the cadence and the words you pick and like the way that they fall within the melody with, you have to, you want to convey the, like the meaning behind what you're saying, but you want to say it the right, the right way melodically, but even rhythmically, the cadence then of it has to, like that. All of it. Yeah. Like you have to, to find the right words that are going to put that puzzle together. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, and sometimes it just comes natural and you get lucky. Yeah. But then other times it's like, you know, you have to kind of sit with it. Yeah. And like kind of be like Dr. Dre with a pen and sure. a pad in the lab. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the lab with a pen and a pad. But like that, 
and kind of get back down to it and find a way because, you know, that stuff kind of, it does matter. And like, you can get lost in it and it can, it could kind of push you to the point of where it paralyzes you. Mm-hmm. But even then, I mean, you're yeah, a but in practice, it's like anything else in yeah. practice. It just like, I've, so like my, um, you talk about going down like the, like YouTube, just interviews of like oh, rabbit holes and all that yeah. stuff. Like for me, um, like Jason Isbell, Sturgill yep. Simpson, like those Jason Isbell in particular, like there's not a YouTube interview yeah. that exists that I haven't seen. Yeah. And uh but because for me, he was the he's like that one that's um regardless of whether or not, especially in like more recent times, like he's one that's tackled a lot of like in his more recent music, a lot of very current things. Yeah. Um and even when his takes aren't things that I agree with, yeah, necessarily. Yeah. Um it's one of those things where I have so much respect for the way he's able to do it. Yep. And like, um, and his storytelling a bit, it's like for me is that's the reason why I fell in love with country music mm. was the storytelling side, yep. being able to tell a story and like take someone on a journey mm-hmm. through a song or through a record. Yeah. And, um, and even going back to things that you mentioned prior, like when you're writing something that is, and you're asking yourself like, well, like, oh, I'm feeling this, but someone else is what X, Y, and Z. Yeah. The ability to um to do that and capture your moment, but to leave the open-endedness mm. for everyone else to put themselves in yeah. it. And regardless of what their details are, the overall embodiment of what it feels, yeah. Like we could like we're all gonna know how that feels. Mm-hmm. And I like I'm I could put myself in that story yeah. as I'm singing along to it or I'm listening to it. And I and and that's the story that kind of envelops because now I'm in the story. Yeah. And that's one of the things that like for me, like that's why like people like Isbell, like yeah. I, I look to them for that bar and hearing their conversations about how they they stumble on their songs and um and that same thing where it's like sometimes they just hit. Yeah. And then there's other times where it's like you're wrestling it yeah. and you're trying to figure out yeah. how to make the cadence and the words and the story all line up. Exactly. And and make it something. And how you get where you're like, oh shit, I already said that word in this song. Yeah. I don't want to say that word again. If it's like yeah. a key word, like you don't want to say that again. You know, you can yeah. use articles and different things like that again. You can say the and, and, and stuff like yeah. that all over the place. But then again, do you want to start this song again with I? You want to start right. with that again? Like, how many yeah. songs do you have that start with I? Like, what are you so all into yourself? Like, all these things where yeah. you kind of go back and you look at, and it's like, but yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. It's not like boxing your listener out, where well, you make it so yeah. so specific that they're like, they're more just like looking in through the yeah. through the window yeah. at what you're experiencing. Whereas if you don't box them out, you take that wall away. They yeah. they they kind of can be right there, and they they're in there, and they're yeah. like, oh, this is. That's a huge thing. You well, know? I love uh, Sturgill has one of those lines. It's he mentions in one of the lines ends with Bronco, mm-hmm. and then um, he comes back and in, in your head, like I remember the first time I heard that, I'm like, "Where's he going with this?" Yeah, and he comes back around and acknowledges that there's nowhere to go with it, and says, <laughs> "I'm still going to be looking for a word that rhymes with Bronco." Yeah, and it's like one <laughs> of those, and you're just like, "It's uh. it's like well, it's." You could go and like, oh, that was a cop out. Yeah. But the way that you navigated yeah. to get to this thing to be like, I just use Bronco and I know there's nothing to rhyme with yeah. it. And I'm going to come circle back around yeah. exactly. and I'm going to tell you there's nothing that rhymes with Bronco because I already know you're thinking it. Yeah. That's, that's literally, that's stand up comedy. 
Yeah. That's literally, then that's, that's another thing. You, you have to, stand-up comedians have a way of doing that. Oh, yeah. Of being able to take a story and like, if, it's the same thing in country music. A lot of these songs, and they have punchlines mm-hmm. at the end. Of their, it's basically one long yep. stand-up comedy routine. Yeah. Where you're kind of having, and whether it's a, you know, whether you're going to laugh at the end, whether sure. you're going to cry at the end, you know, he stopped loving her today. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a, it's a tragedy routine instead of a comedy right. routine. It's yeah. like that kind of thing where you like, and then the punchline, you get, oh, you're like, oh my God, he died. Yeah. That kind of thing where you're like. I live for those, exactly. like those songs. That and like that's, that. and that's like, so those are those things you, you absorb as a songwriter. And that's like a kind yeah. of stuff like Sturgill with that, like. He gets back around and it's like, no, it's not a cop. Like you could look at it as a cop out, but it's like, no, he just, he, he, he solved the puzzle. Mm-hmm. He goes, I don't want to get rid of that line. As a songwriter, I can't get rid of that line. Yeah. So it stays. And like, damn, I got a job to try and fit the rest of the song around it. Like yeah. kind of thing. And you get into that place where you're like, this is, this one doesn't go. Like it's non-negotiable. This mm-hmm. line can't leave. So I have to figure some way around it. And there are times where you get there and like, those are the, you know, what happens, what ends up on the chopping block. There's certain things they can't go on the chopping block. Yeah. Like, nope, that one doesn't go. I don't <laughs> care if I got to rewrite the whole damn song. Yeah. That line doesn't go there. Um, but man, yeah. Like that idea of that, that storytelling. And <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. One, well, honestly, one of my favorite, and it's not like a funny thing, but one of my favorite ones, speaking of, all the way at the back at the beginning when I was talking about John Mayer covering gravity as an 18 year old in the jumping turtle in San Marcos, California <laughs> was uh, one of my favorite songs of all time is stop this train hmm. by John and uh, John Mayer on continuum. Yeah. And it's one of the most, cause I'm a really sentimental person, like yeah. super sentimental. Like if you went back and listened through our long ass conversation, how many dates, like specific dates I pull out, because yeah. I have a weird thing where I remember, like, it just dates. I'm a mm-hmm. very sentimental. And that whole song is just extremely sentimental of talking about, like, you know, you know, I want to stop and I want to go back. Like, you know, where, like, the past is always, it always kind of shines like gold. Like, mm-hmm. the past is, because you're sentimental for those times and things like that. But he has a lyric in that song where he says, um, don't know how else to say it. Don't want to see my parents go. And I don't know, I, you know, I'll have to ask him how he wrote that song or how he wrote that line. Yeah. But like as a songwriter, you can almost put yourself in his shoes and go like, God, how do I convey the truth of like, I don't want to see my parents. Like I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the time where my parents are gone hmm. and I'm, I'm left like to kind of figure things. And it, don't know how else to say it. I don't want to see my parents go like that kind of thing of just yeah. like. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there are tons of lines scratched out on his piece of paper. Right. Where he just was trying to figure out to say, oh, like, you know, but then he kind of got to the point where he's like, I don't know how to say it. I just don't want to see him go. Yeah. Like kind of thing where it's like those. Most simple, honest. So honest. And just like where Bronco and like, shit, there's nothing that rhymes with Bronco. But like, you know, you just kind of use it like and then find a way to move on. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't have any... uh, Really, that's still ahead of me in my yeah <laughs> songwriting career of finding something like that. Yeah, super. There's so many guys out there just doing such um, beautiful jobs in that. And like Jason Isbell, he has a song called um, "If We Were Vampires." 
and that's a song. Um, if you don't know that song, you should go listen to that song. Okay. Um, but it is uh, such a trip because he's kind of taking this idea and he's flipping it. Okay. He's flipped it and it in the most powerful way because it's like this whole thing about like essentially like the fact that life is comes to an end, mm. like it being a, a blessing that my sp- at some point in time, the life of my spouse and I end. Yeah. And how if we were vampires, how like maybe we wouldn't hold each other's hands or maybe we wouldn't do this thing. And yeah. it's, you know, or like all these different things are kind of taking place and it kind yeah. of puts it in that perspective. And he has a couple of those lines that just like give me chills just t- thinking yeah. about it because it's like everyone gets it. Yeah. And it's like a th- these thoughts that are just like, I never, or maybe you have thought about that in that, in that way, but yeah. it's like just a way to be able to flip a narrative yeah. and upside down. Yeah. Like absolutely. what's the common thing? Yeah. And like, I'm going to, how do I talk about loving my spouse, but I'm going to actually just talk about my spouse dying. Yeah. And yeah. the ability to kind of shift that. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's a crazy, like, okay. If like time is the one thing that we know is like limited. Yeah. Like, I mean, Bezos has unlimited money. Right. He has limited time. Absolutely. It's the one commonality yeah. in humans. Yeah. It's like you can have unlimited money, land, anything, but time is the one thing that's limited. So that affects the, the way that we interact. Mm-hmm. It's the reason we say I love you yeah. a lot. Yeah. Because you need that person to know because time's limited because if if you never say it and they're gone and right. their time's up, then it's like, well, you know, like kind of those things. So like, that's a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. You explain it and you go, oh, I was talking about being a vampire. And it's like, and it's like no, the sentiment like right. is like, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Like that's such a, a very, yeah, it's a great thing. And you yeah. put yourself and you go, oh, what a creative way to think Super. about it. Like, yeah, if time was just infinite, would I still interact the same way with like right people like, yeah, that's a, it's a trippy thing. Super Who trippy. Who puts their brain around that? I don't know. You know, what's interesting Jason though, not, not to go off too side, side but uh, like, hearing him talk about writing that song is also like one of those uh it's super cool to see because you know his wife's a songwriter and um and so he's often uses her as kind of a litmus test to kind of see and stuff like that and he talks about how for like a week straight he's trying to play her this song and he's like i can't he's like i I was like i couldn't get past the first verse I just start bawling. Crazy. And he's like, yeah. I just can't even get the song out. Yeah. You know, and it's such a trip to like, to listen to stuff like that about yeah. these people who are so like, they're writing these things. They're very moving to them too. Yeah. You know, and it's not just this trickery. Yeah. Like, oh, let me put this thing out because it's going to, let me write this thing so I yeah. can fuck everyone else. Yeah, up. exactly. And it's like, no, like they got fucked up in the process. And oh, that's, man. you know. Dude, that's, that's crazy. That talks, uh, speaking of, uh, you talked. You mentioned broken record and stuff like that. Oh the, yeah, um, the one that Malcolm's talking to. Uh, remember where he's talking to Jack White about Elvis? No, I haven't so he's listened talking, to that one. He's talking about, um, or maybe that was a revisionist history, and that's what led to going to them doing broken record. No, I think it was revisionist history. That's okay. why. So Malcolm Gladwell, also he and Rick Rubin do broken record. I don't know if Malcolm's even still started or part of it. Maybe he isn't. But anyways. 
So, but what I think what eventually led them to broken record was mm -hmm. Malcolm Gladwell was having people on revisionist history, his podcast, and he had Jack White and they were talking about, um, they were talking about, uh, an, an Elvis song. Um, and obviously Elvis didn't write the tune, but they were talking about the ideas that when the sentiment was too close to the heart, the songs became easier to forget hmm. your, your, your mind almost like as a defense mechanism, like didn't let you go there. Interesting. Like made you like, so, and then, and he had these other musicians, some of these country, it wasn't, it wasn't Brandy Carlisle. It was somebody though, like some, hmm. it was a few Just different, great uh, it, there was these really, these killer songwriters yeah. in Nashville. And they, there are these, these uh, three ladies on there and they had like this beautiful song that they wrote. Um, it was talking about your kids growing up and stuff like that. But they're, but anyways, these songs that hit close to home, the idea behind it though, hmm. like what you're talking about Jason S. Bill and how he, that when it, like you can't even get the song out and they're talking and they're forgetting the lyrics on the spot because they hit too close to home. Their body's like, it's just like, no, no. like, cause they're going to start welling up, like kind of yeah. thing. So it's like, they, uh, ah, like what, it, what is it? You know? And maybe it's their, like, they feel themselves about to start crying. So they're trying to suppress that. And then when you're trying to suppress that, it's kind of hard to get your memory to, you know, kind of kick in. Um, but yeah, there's the idea. Um, but there's this really, uh, it's this Elvis song. Um, I wonder if you're standing there. Uh, uh, what does he say? He's like, um, are you lonesome tonight? So that's the tune. Um, and then there's like a little, uh, like, uh, I forget what you call it. Like, a epilogue or something oh, shit i can't remember in the middle of the song where he just starts talking oh yeah and he's like i wonder if you're lonesome tonight and he starts talking about you know anyways so they go through and they go through these live performances where elvis has to play the song and he just can't remember hmm. that part and it, they said that it, it coincides with a time where he and priscilla were kind of going through a rough path where he maybe like associated it too closely, like it hit too close to home. Huh. So, I mean, there, there are takes where he's playing this show and it's, I mean, in front of thousands of people and he's like laughing hysterically because he can't remember. And it's like a super emotional and he sounds like a madman just yeah. laughing, but all just had all sorts of like mental illness issues and everything like bless the man, but he had all his own issues and everything. But you listen to these like takes, these live takes of him doing this song where it just was a little bit too close to home you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he could sing, it's now or never, come home. He, he could do that all day long. But then it came to the song where it's like talking about like, if you're lonesome and like, yeah. I wonder if you're thinking about me hmm. while we're not together kind of thing. And he just can't, he just keeps forgetting it. Yeah. Like kind of thing. And you could, whatever, you could chalk that up to, you know, he's Elvis and as a musician and everything, you know, you think about all the songs you have to memorize as a singer and stuff like that. You try, but then there's a whole other thing of like, that's a certain song that you kept messing up. Like there might yeah. be something behind. Anyways, yeah. but um, yeah, that's a yeah, that's an interesting thing too in songwriting too. Is like you know, how close do you get to to home? Right. Like how much do you put yourself in your songwriting? How much do you reveal? Yeah, because it's easy to. To write a narrative and it's easy to even maybe put a little bit of your own story in somebody else's from somebody else's perspective, but 
and yeah, that's a whole nother thing. And I think, um, I think some people can do it really well, you know, and maybe get away with it. Uh, but I think it's a tough thing. That's a, that's a hard thing. I think as a songwriter to decide, you know, when it comes to, oh man, and this just so goes, like, I would be talking about this with my sad music and <laughs> wearing shirts that say make music sad again and stuff like that. But <laughs> hell man, sorrow is just a strong emotion. Yeah. Um, and it fuels some of the best music that's ever been written. You know, I, I think I was talking with somebody about this the other night. I think it was Aiden or something like that. We were mm. talking about, I mean, a lot of the greatest songs that have been written have been written out of place of heartbreak in one way or another. Yeah. It might not be yeah. your woman left you, but it might be, you know, the world is falling apart. It just, you know, your heart right. can break in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, a lot of, where you look at Johnny Cash, a lot of great songs that came out of him were just times of turmoil. It's yeah. like, it's almost like songwriters need to continue to be oh, in that's, fucked up situations well, you know to keep writing. It's so funny you say that too, because I have, you know, there's people I've played with in the past and stuff like that who are like that as songwriters. Yeah. Like, um, they, like, for them to be inspired, mm. they have, like, more often than not, they have situations that had to be like, inspiration had to become from some sort of like fucked up situation to be unsatisfied yeah and um which is i mean granted i will say that like that like because you're writing you're kind of writing reactively Mm -hmm. versus you know something came up and i was inspired and i'm reacting and that's a place versus like a lot of stuff we talked about earlier from a more proactive side of like honing in more on like the craft yeah. of saying like, well, I don't, I'm not always going to feel inspired all the time. Yeah. But the ability to still yeah. convey it yep. and to do it and to practice it without maybe going through the experience yeah. is like a whole nother yeah. beast. Oh, it is like, yeah, it, it absolutely. I, I feel like it, it is for me personally, it's definitely easiest for me to write songs when I'm in a place of, uh, yeah. I mean, like sorrow in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Like I'm unsatisfied with whatever's going on. Um, you know, and there's a lot of fuel for songwriting when you're balancing a lot in your life. Like me, <laughs> so I'm pursuing a full time career in music while working a full time job, and above all of that, first and foremost, I'm a husband and father. So that's just a, it's a lot. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot mentally yeah. strenuous because, you know, you have to do your day job well. Yeah. So that you don't lose it. Because <laughs> if you lose it, like a lot of other things crumble. Like that's just where, you know, that's, you, you got to keep that going. But you have to, you have to be able to still at the same time stay inspired and feed that. Because that might be what pays the bills, but what makes you you is right. You're you're an artist that works a full time job, you know. Like you're not a whatever your job is X Y who also, you know, is a part time. That's not way. That's not the way I look at it. I'm not yeah. a I'm not a part time artist in right. that way. Like that's that's who I am. And the other thing that I do to keep myself and my family afloat is what I do as a necessity. 
But it, I guess that's hard. They're both necessities. But yeah, so it's you, you can hear me trying to parse it out right now. <laughs> God, it's a fucking crazy balance. Yeah. That's just tough as all. You know, I'm not the only one. There are hundreds of thousands like that. Right. But so in this stage, it's like, man, like, yeah, there's a lot to you balance that. And you got to make sure that you're being like a great partner and you're being a good father and like all of those things. And and because that's you've only got so much of yourself mm-hmm. and you only have so much emotion and so much like attention. And when every single day you're tasked with dividing that mm-hmm. equally to keep all things afloat and like, you know, and not looking at it as like, I need to keep my relationships afloat like that. But, you know, but in the same sense, like, you, you know, you get what I'm saying, where you need to make sure that they understand and those people in your life feel loved, but your responsibilities are also met. Right. God, man. Yeah. God, that's a lot. And well, it like, you know, it's makes interesting. You spin. I, I like, you know, I have uh, people I've talked to who struggle with that in terms of being the artist mm-hmm. and they struggle with feeling held down because they go, well, I got to go work a job mm-hmm. nine to five, five days a week. And, um, and then oh, I, and I have this girlfriend and mm-hmm. she's taking up all my time. Mm-hmm. And so all these things and I'm like, well, I'm going to get rid of these things because they, they're taking away from me being able to spend my time in crafting my artistry. Yeah. And the conversation I always have is that, you don't get is that those are the things where you're like you're going to be fed yeah to feed the artist yeah that's inside because if when you take all those things out you're not experiencing anything anymore you're experiencing stress when you don't have a job yeah and juggling your family and Mm -hmm. juggling those things like what are you experiencing that you're going to have to like and on top of that anything you are experiencing is not going to necessarily be relatable to anybody else because most people are going to be out there juggling and doing all the yeah. things so it's yeah. like now you have to fabricate yeah and so it is this weird catch-22 of feeling like oh my job's pinning me down and i don't mm-hmm. have enough time you need it yeah you need you i'm i'm you need struggle as a songwriter yeah if you're happy and perfectly content your songs are sh- they're shit they're gonna suck yeah it's just like you can you can maybe get i mean like that's and I guess I shouldn't say that dogmatically, but like <laughs> there's a good chance. Yeah. If you got not a care in the world, like I would like to look into it because one of my favorite songs, like this uh, Simon and Garfunkel song, um, Feeling Groovy, it's the 59th Street Bridge song or whatever. It's mm. like, you know, I got no deeds to do, no promises to keep. Um, I was talking about like just feeling groovy, you know, kicking yeah. down the cobblestone. and And I'm like, I wonder how he was really feeling when he wrote that song. Maybe mm. he was happy and he got a great song out of it. Maybe. Okay, we'll say maybe. There is a margin. But even that, if you're really say that, let's say like I could see you having inspiration in that from coming from a place of feeling weighed down yeah. and then that that first period yeah. of yeah. feeling free. Relief. And that free, but how long are you going to feel that? Or here comes the sun. Yeah, know, George Harrison. Yeah, how long like are you going to feel that yeah. before that well runs dry? Exactly. You know. It's definitely like there's the struggle is just, yeah, it's funny. There's that whole, when we were in high school, emo music came out, mm-hmm. right? It's funny that it got pegged as emo music, but it's like, I mean, all music is 
emo music. Yeah. Name me a good song that doesn't have some. I mean, that stuff was extra emo. It was extra emo. (laughs) It it got into some details that you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, yeah, what, crying on the pages of your book or whatever. Whatever. You probably could have said that. They just did convey it well. They just. Right. They probably could have been maybe a little more poetic in their songwriting and maybe they would have been better. Mm. But, and that's why I died. Just kidding. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Um, But. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to I don't know. It would be really interesting and it's hard to do like on the spot, but to think back and kind of look and run it like a whole list of songs and like a lot of my favorite songs and how many of them are like happy. Mm-hmm. You know. And even songs that are happy that are like happy sounding songs. I mean, I, I so speaking like I could speak on what I know or what I've written. So like Sad Boy is right. like that's a happy kind of song. Yeah. At that point in my life, I was like, we were living with my sister-in-law in like a studio hmm. where me and my wife and my child were all in like one room. And granted, still bigger scope, much better than a lot of people sure. have it. I lived in Southern California in a studio, you know, but but still it wasn't ideal. It was like, you know, and I worked a job that I just did not enjoy doing um and not that it was like you know i worked with great people and stuff and it's just like i was just some i just didn't want to be doing that at the time you know and so it it was like that's a happy song but i wasn't this i wasn't content at that point Mm -hmm. god i was so bummed i was looking for ways out all left right up down center um so it makes me wonder how many songs that i think back are like these like nice happy songs like were they really written from a point of like i don't know or is just sorrow the fuel of it all (laughs) you know and i don't think so i don't think it's a blanket statement you can't say that but um just happens to be a lot of songs yeah it just happens to be yeah i think a lot of it yeah i think it does come from that place song is jokingly about how i lost my dog my wife and my truck broke exactly because it's like yeah it comes from loss in some way or another (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and it's funny and it's like i'm glad though like i'm happy this conversation goes this way because a lot of the times one of the things that i get worried about like as a songwriter is um because it's all you can do as a musician mm-hmm. is you're based on feedback, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is it not as a drummer, as sure. a songwriter, as a singer? It's feedback. It's when you get off the stage, what's the person shaking your hand say to you? Yeah. Okay. And a lot of the times, you know, they're like, oh, you know, thanks. And like, you know, oh, like, you know, Francis, you have such a beautiful voice and things like, you know, and I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, I really appreciate that. Thank you. You know, yeah. I, I, I try to sing well. I do my best yeah. to make sure that I'm singing well for everybody. But I, what I don't want getting lost in that is like, but did you hear what the song said? Right. You know, because yeah. like. I'm singing that's, for that. That's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. But like, could you tell I was sad? Just, yeah. You know, just kidding. <laughs> but that kind of thing of just like, it, it's, I like that. Yeah. It's nice. I'm just glad we had more of a conversation about songwriting, songwriting than, than singing. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Cause it's like, this is, this is much more encouraging to me. I'm like, okay, then people do pay attention to the song more than just like, Oh, 
it kind of sounds like Roy Orbison. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, you're gonna get that, and you're gonna get people that never breach anything below, you know, beneath the surface. Yeah, and um, which is you gotta, unfortunately, you have to be able to kind of. That's why it's such so tricky. Yeah, because you can't leave those people out either. No, no, not at all. Yeah. I'm like, hey, if that's it, if it harkens you back to a time and you're yeah. like, oh, I hear this, it's like, mm-hmm. absolutely, please come yeah. and stay. Yeah. Like, for sure. But, um, but yeah, that's definitely not the reason why I keep, I'm not like, oh, how can this song, you know, sound more like, how can I sing it better? Like, if I write this melody to, does it, yeah, because I even found like a lot of the stuff that I was writing recently like even melodically, like mm-hmm. might not lend the most exciting vocal performance. A lot of the right. the tunes that like even the some the stuff that I really like if, see I, if I had written this different, I could project my vocal yeah. voice in a yeah more desirable way. I maybe. could do more. That would be like, yeah. oh wow, look, yeah, 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 there's that. Oh, but yeah, it was like you know, um, but yeah, a lot of times where I will definitely like that will go to the wayside before just trying to say something yeah which yeah yeah that's great. well and i will say that is like that's how i mean i view you as a songwriter first oh, thank god i mean you sing obviously like that's a thing but i do sing yeah. songs <laughs> yeah but it is one of those like but that's that's always been the way that i've i've looked at it um in that but that is you know that's another thing too is um you do have a lot of people though that like um not to undermine what they have to say, yeah. But in the sense that, like, again, music is being the subjective thing. Is yeah. that there is so much, so many great um, artists that are out there who, you know, and that's that's their thing. Is is okay now? How do I find? Also, how do I fine tune this song? Yeah. To project my voice mm-hmm. to be the to be this thing, you know. Yeah. And, um, and so there's there's definitely there's that that side of it too. I just, for me, like the songwriting, the creativity and the lyrical side and cadence and all those things is always like the thing I'm thinking of most. What grabs, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like there's some, speaking of like where we came from, Christian artists, Mm. there's some that I can think of off the top of my head that just, like I know by the end of this song, you're just going to be yelling that chorus at the octave above whatever you sang it the first time. Oh yeah, and boo! <laughs> Come on, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then again, it's subjective. That just doesn't that doesn't vibe with me, right? But other people, that's what they want to hear. Absolutely, just, they'll hear the same yeah. thing over and over. But this time, it just took up a notch, yeah. and it just got louder and higher and more impressive vocally. Yeah. But I will say that too, in defense of that, is that that does something emotionally too. Yeah. And there's a reason why that tool is used in the church. Yeah. And it's re- because that is priority number one. The church is mm-hmm. to try and move people spiritually. Um, I feel like, like I said, like try to move people spiritually, but that is essentially like kind of. That's, yeah, that's, what I, was that's the goal. Yeah. yeah. And so they're, they're, and so that is. You could do it, and it, you know, and it's done with the guitars and other things. And then yeah. if you have the ability to, um, the ability for a vo- for a voice to do that too, is like, yeah. it is a powerful thing, and um, it's just different. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's... because I I'm one of those people. Like I I 
I am very um, music is very in a very much an emotional yeah. thing for me. That's the only way I approach music, um, and it's probably the same reason why I never learned music. Yeah, in the sense that like for me it was always a response to some an emotional thing. So when I play, I'm reacting to how I feel like what's happening and what we are trying to make it feel. Yeah, and um, but yeah, there's there's stuff like that too where there's music that does nothing for me lyrically yeah um the lyrical content of it is may not even be relevant yeah and it may not be something i care about and i might think the subject matter is terrible yeah but um there's still things that happen um in a performance and the way that someone can can string you along yeah and to do those things in the way that like they can have done if done creatively yeah and kind of convey, like you said, convey the same thing. Absolutely. In, in the sense that like, uh, well, your lyrics were kind of shoddy. Yeah. But but there's still a thing that happens. But there's something Cause, there. Because yeah. music without words still moves people. Absolutely. Um, which is why there's fucking weird, freaky music in the back of scary movies. Yep. Because really the only thing making it scary, scary is the music. Scary is the music. You know, and it's yeah. in the same thing, you know, and behind every video you see on... You on Facebook or yeah. Instagram of some inspirational thing yeah. is that the thing that's happening is only about two thirds of the inspiration, yep. and then the other third, two thirds might even be an aggressive. Yep. But the music that happens to be playing in the background is yeah. just doing this thing that's like that, and so that's kind of where I, I see a lot of that, a lot of that stuff too. It's, it's absolutely, like, which is why like in so many of those things in the church have always had yeah. like these that type of yeah. Because you're like, okay, well, we can just soar it. Yeah, and then let's just keep building, building, yeah. <laughs> building, building, and eventually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's but, you know, funny. In a, even another aspect, even something different that's come out of COVID, song writing wise too, mm-hmm. was um, I got hooked up with through Kimmy Bitter, got mm-hmm. hooked up with Al Howard. Oh yeah, yeah. So and they and so. Al's got this project um, that he started doing COVID, where he's doing a hundred songs. So it's Alfred Howard writes. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically, he's written all these lyrics and he sends them out to artists hmm. and he just says, hey, write a, you know, if, if you'd like to write a song with these lyrics. And so me as a songwriter, who's always just written my own lyrics yeah. and really never had any input. That's one of the things that like, I just really just like I, it's really, I just don't but I don't think I've ever budged with yeah. anything lyrically. I've yeah. never had somebody go, oh, well, what if you said this? Nope. nope. Sorry. That's how, I, that's how it we, that's might what be you better, but it just doesn't convince yeah. me the same way that I convince me. Yeah. And so I got linked up with Al and, and, and he was like, yeah. So he explained what the project was, what I just explained. And at first I was like, man, I don't know if I could do that. Like, I've mm. never done that before. You know, I've never written with somebody else's art essentially and tried to put it to my so um but i was like you know it's 2020 what the hell man (laughs) like i'm down for all sorts of new shit this year like you know don't knock it till you try it (laughs) so um yeah i i I took a whack and man that's been something that's really been fun especially somebody that is so like uh holds that kind of things so close like mm-hmm. i like to write my own lyrics and stuff right. like that you know can, that's been a really good exercise of just being able to take somebody yeah. else's lyrics and al alf he just he's a great 
writer. Yeah. He writes great lyrics. And and more than that, like, I mean, he's like, he listened to some of my music and then he wrote lyrics that he thought would match the tone of what I write in. Hmm. I mean, that's how well, like, he's kind of, yeah. and so it kind of like, it made it that much easier where I'm like, oh, it's already kind of like in the yeah. tone. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. he, it wasn't like, hey, I wrote this song and like, see, he like listened to your stuff yeah. and like, he's like, I'm going to write a song in the vein of like maybe something that he exactly. would do. That's a trip. I was so, I was like, wow, like that's really cool mm. and very like, so it made it more seamless. Mm. You know, it made it like, oh, um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, on the songwriting aspect, like that was tough at first. I was like, I don't know how to do this. I kind of left and I was like thumbing through stuff, you know, the day he sent stuff over, I was like, you know, lyrics and I was like working and kind of like picking through some stuff. And then I was like, ah, oh. but it, did, it didn't click right away. It had to like, I had to come back. And then eventually I think it was like, I don't know, a few weeks later then I was like, hey, I think, you know, I've got something here. Um, we did some, anyways. Um, but yeah, that's been another trippy that's thing, rad. like as a songwriter. Yeah, I've heard a few of those from different people have yeah. done with that. That's cool. Yeah, Ellis has done yeah. some and Kimmy did one. And um, yeah, all yeah, a bunch of people. Those are, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's a really cool thing that, that he's doing that is just like another cool way of just, you know, and, I, and I've heard you talk, I mean, you were talking to Hollander and Shane Hall and just talking about like ways of like moving forward mm -hmm. like in the pandemic and it's freaking awesome how yeah. people are moving forward and that's like that's how al's doing it he's just yeah. like it's a hundred songs hundred and now i think we just i think he he just hit 50 so he hit the halfway mark and his mom's doing all the artwork for everything wow. but it's like what a cool inspiring like yeah. thing like as like are they all with different artists yeah I mean, what's there's crazier, some that do repeats. Okay, I was going to say, because yeah. what's crazier is like, how are you going to find 100, 100 people? 100 artists, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to like no, there are definitely a few that do repeats yeah. and stuff like that. Um, like I've done a couple and I'm working on a third with him right now. No way. Yeah. That's killer. Um, just because like, yeah, I love it. Like I like this, I love the stuff he writes and it feels mm -hmm. very, you know, like I, I just wouldn't be able to, Yeah. like I, I, you know, I'm a nice human but I wouldn't be able to get on board if I was just like, I can't sing these things. Sure. Like, I just wouldn't do it. But, like, yeah. Al's a great writer. Yeah. Fan. He just a, writes great lyrics. So it makes it easy to get on board with that. Um, but, yeah, that's one thing where I'm like, man, that's, like, cool. And it, it kind of gave me inspiration when I was writing and then into spring and then into summer and then I did into fall. Then I was like, I got to finish it and do into winter kind of thing like as well i couldn't force it but like if it came mm -hmm. i was like because i like looked at even out i'm like man he's got this big old giant project he's doing like i should be able to finish my four song project <laughs> <laughs> this, this dude he's is doing songs. I, can do, I can do songs. four I, can, I should be able I can, to make it work i could do four yeah um but yeah so yeah that's another cool thing that you know has been kind of rad to be a part of is there a name to that project so if that way people are listening alfred howard writes alfred okay so it's on they will release on Bandcamp, um okay. and you could subscribe to the email and it's like a paid subscription and you'll get the you'll get the songs and okay. stuff, but then eventually they go on to spotify um, as well so i think volumes one through four are on spotify right now okay and they're 10 they're increments of 10. Okay. So 40 songs of the 100 song pro project are on Spotify right now. 
then I think the other 10 will be released on Spotify in the next couple weeks, I think. Um, but yeah, so it's Alfred Howard Wright. Right, I'll yeah. try and remember to put a link yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, it's, it's, yeah, this, it's been really cool. Something that I never thought I would really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I find that it's interesting too, is, uh, um, is that is definitely something, well, it's, especially it's weird too, because, you know, I spent a lot of time, uh, not a lot of time, enough time in Nashville. Mm. And in Nashville, that's just their world. Yeah. That's their game is it's writers. Yeah. And they are constantly churning out songs. Granted, also, and they're, they're doing it very commercially and they're doing it with very intent purposes and yeah. force, you know, people and stuff like that. But a lot of people who are coming out, they might have, you know, most of the songs or songs they wrote, or maybe most of the songs are songs that they didn't necessarily write. Yeah. And it's such a different game yeah. um, out there. And it is funny yeah. that that's so like here, like in our world, that is so foreign. Yeah. Like, and the idea of, singing someone else's song is like yeah. this thing like well i write songs so why would i sing someone else's song yeah exactly and uh and it's funny it's like being out there it's, it's like i write songs and then they're like but other people write good songs and i'm yeah. down to sing them yep and make money <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is that's such a trip that's funny yeah. too because that even that podcast that i was talking about like those um the songwriters that were on that podcast that were talking about that like they were in fact like songwriters yeah so they do they're just churning out yeah great songs yep. in nashville yeah and that's they're nashville stapleton, songwriters man. that's how stapleton that's like you know like dude you could make the money or not the money but the the, the songs he wrote for mm. for so many artists out there and he was like he was like the artist songwriter he was yeah. like the guy everyone looked to and then now yeah. and then it's like and then he's like oh cool i'm gonna start doing my own stuff now yeah and then he's gonna like fuck every one of those people off of the charts. Yep. Yeah. He's like, mm, I'm tired. I'm done writing songs for you guys. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> or I don't, you know, I, I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but it's yeah. like one of those no, where exactly. it's like, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's just cool to see, uh, to see that these guys that are kind of tucked away and they yeah. wrote and all these songs that you hear all the time. Yeah. And you don't even think about it yeah. because their names tucked somewhere in a credits yeah. thing. I mean, check still cashes yeah but oh. w- whether or not we see them yeah but, but that, they're not the one that gets the credit when it's comes out of your speakers in your car no for those of you out there that still listen to the radio yeah god bless your soul <laughs> well even just the spot you know yeah. like even streams stuff like that i mean yeah you know streams don't pay a lot but no. when there's like billions of them yep then you're good yeah <laughs> you're all right yeah you get your cut yeah yeah no it's yeah yeah, that's crazy yeah it's a whole different man yeah that is a different world yeah i actually got a couple i'm going to nashville uh next week oh nice um i'm going like thursday through tuesday okay um and uh, i got a couple podcasts lined up out there oh nice i'm really excited about sweet you got the travel rig um same rig i just and i just got to figure out how to like pack it to make it make sense. There you go. So, yeah, pretty streamlined. Yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I figured it was like I was going out there. Yeah, and I was like, why not? Might as well. Like, why wouldn't I do that? That's a good call. Yeah, that's yeah. It's just a good way to think about it. Yeah, it's just kind of doing it. Yeah, wherever you go. 
Yeah. Well, it's definitely been a thing that it's like, uh, well, for me in this time too, of being someone who's busy all the time yeah, and then having not been busy. Yeah. Um, this is occupied such a space that's like fulfilled so much so much of that for me good and being able to like do something yeah and feel like i'm churning but then also out of nowhere as soon as i started doing this there was a bunch of stuff that all of a sudden started popping up and so it's been like a thing where it's like oh i'm doing a thing this night and now yeah. i have a rehearsal that night and i'm doing you know back to like, juggling yeah and i'm like oh my god like my wife's like cool i'll see you thanksgiving yeah i'm like Ugh. you're like yeah for the day yeah for the day <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. It's probably accurate, actually. I think about it. Oh man, that's yeah. wild. Yeah. What are, you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, we have one of her friends that um, if we don't go see my grandparents, my yeah. grandma, uh, she has a like her best friend that she's been going to Thanksgiving with their family. Yeah. Kind of like adopted family almost. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she's been going there for years. So oh, nice. yeah, we'll be cruising out there. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So it'll just be us and and his mom and dad or whatever. What about you guys? We're going up to uh, Murrieta. My wife's family has all moved to Arizona. Mm. So they're coming to meet at my sister-in-law's fiance's house in Murrieta. So we're going out there. And then my, yeah, my family, we're all spread around. Yeah. I actually don't get to see any of my direct family at all on Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's... That's just how it goes. Yeah. Sometimes it's better that way. <laughs> I always joke about that with people because they're always like, it's like a thing where sometimes old people ask like, oh, so what's the deal with your family? And like my family dynamics always yeah. like uh, a little too much to yeah. divulge into. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, and it's like this, like, oh, like, and you're like, no, think about this. I don't have to go. Like you just constantly tell me about all this drama you got to deal with all yeah. this stuff. There's always things going on. And I was like, I don't got to deal with any of that. <laughs> and then they look and they're like, damn. Yeah, like, like, damn it. Wish I was Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's so good. Yeah. Well, yeah. shit, man. I think we're about two and a half hours in. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. You'll probably have to cut a lot of that. We Sorry. don't cut. No? No, I don't no edit cut? anything. No. Wow. Sorry. No, that's great. Sprambled on. No, that's great. I love for it. A little while. Yeah. Now you know why you have. Two hour podcast that you've been listening to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I got dude, don't even get me started. You Dan Carlin's hardcore history. Oh yeah. Six hours. Yeah. On the eastern front of World War Two. Dude. Catch me. I love it. Deep in there. Dude, on the subject, you know what's funny is that um so like I do with most anything, I'm just a, I'm a talker when I'm just engaging with anyone in terms of like I will let people in on anything I'm doing. It's yeah. just how I network or connect with people. And I just don't, I'm never too scared to share too much. Yeah. So, but, um, and I golf quite a bit. Yeah. And so that happens a lot because you're playing yeah. with someone. If you get paired up with someone, you're playing with them for four hours maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, dudes, on more than one occasion, this has happened where people ask, like, oh, what do you do? And, or whatever. And um, eventually stuff will come up and I'm, like, oh, I'm doing this podcast thing. And they're like, oh, that's cool. They're like, oh, just tell me it's not like one of those like Rogan things where it's like three hours long. And I'm like, yeah, the first one was two hours, 45 minutes. <laughs> and they're like, shit. 
That's so good. <laughs> so, dude, it's happened so many times. I was like, <laughs> and it's been a thing. And then it's, but it's been interesting because they're like, dude, they're like, why? Like, how is it that you even have that much shit to talk about? Yeah, you'd be surprised. I'm like, dude, you'd be super surprised. But yeah. I love it because it isn't this thing where like showing up and it's like super compact and it's like, yeah. hey, I got this question to ask and like, oh, yeah. okay, moving on to the next thing. Because like, yeah. these are all the, the all the things that, like you said, sorry, but yeah. all the things that you would probably think to cut out are all the things that make it special for me. Yeah. And like being the one who's doing this, that's my priority. Yeah. Is that like. I'm kind of like to, I've liked to make it this thing that's like, well, what are all the things that are going to be interesting to me? Yeah. And like the more layers that kind of get peeled back and the yeah. deeper you get into it, like for me, it's only, it only gets better. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I am with podcasts. Yeah. I'm always in it for the long haul. Yeah. Well, we got one. So. There we go. Yeah. If they skip around, you're lost at this point. <laughs> yeah. You are You fucked. try and skip forward. <laughs> you fucked, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hell yeah um, yeah thanks for uh having me over absolutely this was great i hope we get to play music again soon god damn oh, we're heading into the dark days now oh no i'm trying not to think about it straight up just like i'm look, looking at it and it's like yeah they're telling us we're going back into we're going we're going dark i'm not listening la la i know la, right la, it's la, like la. Oh man, it's heavy. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Hopefully, real soon. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. God damn it. Oh All right. man. We out. Later. Remember, remember the third.